Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 194 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday. Bloody Sunday. Got a very special episode for you guys today. It's a, a Dave Semenko special. Uh, and I brought in the heavy hitter for this one. I uh, brought in Luciano. Uh, he is uh, uh, runs the Dave Semenko Appreciation page. On Facebook, if you are not a member, I highly encourage you to join. As well as I have known him since the FC days, and uh, we have talked for a while. And uh, yeah, I got him on the show. And uh, yeah, he is a big Semenko fan. And over the years, um, before the internet's machine, uh, he would uh, he always did the research with the newspapers and that type of thing. Uh, you know, going to the library, microfilm for you youngsters out there. You're wondering, what am I talking about? Well, it was it was uh, pre-internet Google, folks. That's what we had to do. Um, but yeah, and he's always looking for footage and shaking the bushes to unearth stuff with Semenko and uh, and just and and you know uh, a real uh, knowledgeable about about the subject. So I wanted to have him on, and because uh, it was funny, I even mentioned at the start of the show here, um, w- w- uh, the start of the episode. 
Um, I thought I kind of knew Samanko, and uh, the more I, I I researched the for the episode and did a deep dive and sort of read uh, Luciano's Facebook page and stuff like that, uh, I realized I really didn't know anything about Samanko, and uh, so it was a real uh, real treat for me to sit back and basically just uh, listen to him tell stories and 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 the newspaper articles that he's found, and we referenced Samanko's book a lot, um, which I have read many years ago. Man, I. And I, I had an autographed copy and everything, and asked me what I did with it. Oh, I, I lent it to someone, and I don't know who I lent it to. Oh, I'm just kicking myself. Um, but it was a good book, great book. Um, tell some good stories. Um, so we reference that quite a bit. And yeah, it's just a fun episode. And uh, even if you're not a Semenko fan, uh, well, I guess if you're not a Semenko fan, you probably you probably didn't tune into the episode to begin with. But if you if you're not or you're on the fence, um, I think you'll still find the episode uh, entertaining and, and educational. If you're you know a fight fan um, and kind of a fight historian, so to speak, I think it's a cool piece. Um, yeah, like I said, it's a deep dive into Semenko that um, I don't, as far as I know, many. No one's done. I mean, maybe someone has. I don't, I've never heard it anyway. But, uh, so I, I thought, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Plus, I think it'll give you guys a break from just listening to me, uh, yap by myself, staring out my window, yelling about some bullshit nobody cares about. <laughs> but, uh, before we get into that though, um, like I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. Whatever team you're a fan of, there's a podcast for you. Um, like I said, after the trade deadline and of course with the playoffs looming, uh, those shows are busy with lots of content, so, uh, you know, whatever team you follow or you're a fan of, uh, I'm sure there's something there for you. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, I got, you know, Mud Show down in Florida. They're always moving, packing right now. Off to North Kakalaki there, old Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast. So, uh, he might be taking a little bit of a break because they they're in between, in between moves here. I don't, oh, I, I, I still get, uh, PTSD from, uh, from moving. I still get, uh, oh, just... Every, I mean, everyone listening has moved multiple times in your in your life. Just just for a second, just ugh, you just get the shivers just thinking about it. I like I told uh, the the realtor after we moved into this house, uh, you're gonna uh, I'm dying in this house because I am never moving again. But uh, so I, I my thoughts and prayers are with you, Alec. Yeah. Oh, the packing. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. But. Uh, Check out his show. Like I said, it's the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, right now, he, his latest episode is with his uh, repeat guest, uh, Jack Gregg. Uh, he's on uh, Jack's initial interview. Uh, minor league tough guy, great storyteller. Um, in the return here, he talks just about coaching junior and and uh, and that type of thing, life after hockey, so to speak. So uh, definitely check it out. Alex back catalog is tremendous. Yablonski, Bialois, Rob Ray, uh, on and on. Um, bang up job. He's on the Six Pack Coverage Network, and uh, and he's also got a YouTube channel, uh, Five for Fighting YouTube channel. Check it out; it's a it's a real East Coast uh, hockey league heavy channel, and he's got a lot of stuff up from this year, and uh, and he's starting to kind of get into last year's stuff. He's going to go back uh, once he kind of moves and everything gets settled. He's going to go back and uh, go through the archives because they got old archives on the uh, on the network there, um, and he's going to dig up the old fights. But you know, you got to mac up. Mac up. Here we go. Try that again. Take two. Gonna match up. Gotta go look up the old box scores and stuff for uh, for last year's tilts. So that takes some time, but he's gonna do that. And uh, his channel's gaining momentum, and uh, you know we're all 
we're all trying to get him to a thousand subscribers. So I know he's getting, he's marching pretty quick. Uh, he's got seven or 800 already. So definitely, uh, go to YouTube, five for fighting podcast, just subscribe to the channel and, uh, and, uh, check it out. Even if you're not like a huge East coast league guy or, you know, you're not into the new stuff. Cause believe me, I'm with you, but, um, there are some, there are some good tilts on there. But just for Alec to help Alec out, if you're a YouTube guy and you're on YouTube quite a bit and you have your own account, whatever, just subscribe. Just hit, just hit the little subscribe. There you go. Get on with life. But it definitely, it's the little, I will say as a creator and stuff like that myself, it's the little things, guys. I'm telling you, you might not think so. I mean, oh, you go to YouTube, you don't really pay, you just listen to, watch a few things and off you go. You don't really care. But even, uh, with Alec, Five for Fighting podcast, myself, Fourth Line Voice podcast, or Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Um, yeah, I've, I have over 2,700 videos on my channel. Just hit the subscribe button. It helps me out. And, uh, and check out some videos. Like I said, go down the rabbit hole. Check stuff out. Got every league on there. Boom. Check it out. You'll dig it. Um, and then of course, Coliseum Chronicles. Get rid of Lazito! Jolton Joe Broadway, Joe Lazito. The Coliseum Chronicles podcast. It's a New York Islanders based podcast. And, uh, Joe, like I said, double agent, secret agent man. He works out of MSG, the world famous arena, downtown New York, in the middle of it all. Mr. New York, Broadway Joe. If you're ever in New York, go hit Lazito up at the, at the, at the box office there at MSG. He'll hook you up with cats, rent. I don't know what else is playing down there. Anything. Yeah, I was going to say the Rangers. You don't want to go see the Rangers. Oh, they got Reeves though. Eh, you know. I don't know. Go ask Joe. He'll 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 get he'll he'll set you in the right direction. But Joe, tremendous uh, podcast. Uh, Mick Fakota, Strudwig, Bolton, Asham, Matt Karkner. They're all there. Uh, does great interviews. Uh, definitely give Joe a listen. And uh, yeah, guys, Coliseum Chronicles. Give it to Lazito. But. Uh, yeah, uh, well, Luciano and I talked for like two hours. We couldn't, actually, I couldn't believe it. I, after we got finished, I said to him, I said, I, cause I wasn't watching, uh, the recording. I had, you know, I had stuff open on the screen and I was just basically sitting there listening to him. But I went to the, went to Audacity to, you know, whatever. I look at two hours. I, th- I literally thought we were like at an hour and 15 minutes. I'm like, holy shit, you know? So, uh, yeah, we talked for quite a long time and, uh, but I had a lot of fun. I'm going to have him back on the show. Um, Really well spoken dude, and uh, you know I really enjoyed it. And uh, like I said, it, it's um, tried to do try to do something different. Um, I haven't I haven't done a real player spot. I'm trying to think if I've ever done a real player spotlight uh, episode. I not that I can think of. Um, no, I can't. So it, it was fun to uh, to do that, and hopefully, uh, I not that off the top of my head, not that I have anything planned to do with any other player. Not that I'm not saying I'll never do it, but as of right now. Um, I don't know, not not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I haven't thought of anybody else, but uh, I think it was just a unique situation where it's such he's such a big fan and he's taken so much time into into researching a career, and it, and it's really like I said, um, uh, just with the real lack of footage and and stuff like that. There's a lot of unanswered questions with Semenko. 
So it, it, in that sense, it was, it was cool to go over stuff. And like I said, and to talk to a guy that's, that's really followed his career. Um, so it was kind of a unique case. Um, I mean, if I come across anybody else in my travels that's a big fan of a certain guy, yeah, I could have him on and we could certainly do a special. Like I said, this is what the, with the, uh, really what the show is all about is to spotlight those guys and, and really go back into hockey enforcer history and stuff like that. And, uh, did that today with, uh, with Big Dave and, uh, yeah, and it was a lot of fun, and I and I think you guys will really dig this episode. So um, I'm going to shut up here and uh, and get out of here. We'll uh, and we'll get going with the show. But uh, before we do that, like I always say, um, check me out on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook. And uh, oh, I brought up the YouTube channel already, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. And uh, yeah, other than that, guys, whatever platform you're listening to this show, whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, what have you, could you rate and review my 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 show? Um, it helps me out in the searches on. Like I said, it's the little things, guys. Like uh, like I tell you with the subscribe to the channel or maybe hit the like button or what have you. Um, it's the little things that it, for the algorithms on those platforms, it helps my show out or whatever show you happen to be listening to. It's just a little thing that you can do that help. That's a big deal for me because if somebody's listening to whatever spitting chiglets after they're done, it might be, you know, all related shows you might be interested in. And then my show is, is listed there because of the amount of reviews and, and, and ratings that I get. So, um, it, it would be greatly appreciated if you guys could do that. And, uh, also if you could download the episode, I, this sounds so cheesy, but I say it cause and it's amazing the number of people that tell me they didn't know. Um, maybe not for this one or whatever, if you're already doing it, whatever, but in the future, if you're going to listen to the show, if you could download my episode, cause that's how I get paid. I get paid by the download. If you stream it, I don't get paid for that. Um, so I need you to download the episode. So I, Hey, I'm just being honest with you guys. I'm, you know, yeah, it might be cheesy on my part, but but not only the the monetary uh, thing from it, but it also helps with the analytics in terms of you can just see who's because streaming it's no you can't tell who's listening and it doesn't for the numbers and stuff. So uh, through the downloads, you can see who's all listening, where, on what platform, that type of thing. It it helps out in that sense as well. But uh, I'm not gonna lie, as well, it helps me get paid because as I said, I get paid by the download. So if you didn't do it on this one, that's fine. But in the future, if you come back, if you so choose. Um, please in the future, if you could download the episode, it would be great. But, uh, yeah. And I'm sure this is gained with Luciano's friends and that type of thing and a new audience. Uh, welcome. Thank you again for tuning into this. And, uh, I hope you come back. And like I said, it's episode 194. Please check out the back catalog. Um, I've interviewed John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, Roman Volpak, Clark Wilm, on and on. And, uh, lot, lots of guys. And I've had a lot of fun, a lot of great, a lot of great guests. And, uh, as well, I do two episodes a week, one Wednesday, one Sunday. Um, yeah, some episodes are ranting episodes where I just yell and scream about things and, uh, but talk about old, like top 10 lists that I found on the internet or old articles and, and that type of thing. There's always something to talk about, right? In the old, uh, history of fighting. So, Definitely, uh, I, I highly encourage you to check out the back catalog and, and hopefully going forward, I've, I've gotten some new listeners. I know there's a lot of things out there to listen to. There's 8 million podcasts. So, uh, the fact that you chose to take time out of your, take time out to listen to this one, I greatly appreciate it and thank you. So, uh, and I hope you come back. All right, guys. Here we go. Here's my chat with Luciano about Big Dave Semenko. All right, guys. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy. 
All right, here on the fourth line voice, special guest out from from the Winnipeg, uh, Luciano. We're going to do a Dave Semenko special, so I had to bring in the expert. How you, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh well, thanks for uh, for taking my call. Well, we've uh, we've been talking about this for the last little while, and uh, I know you're uh, you're the biggest uh, Semenko fan that I know, anyway. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's always uh, and. Big Dave was one of those guys um, that uh, I, we were just, I was saying to you just off air just before we got going here, I said he's one of those guys that you think you know a lot about until you start looking into it and then you realize you don't really know anything about. So um, hopefully, uh, I know you've uh, you've done a lot of research on him and, and know some stories and uh, hopefully we're going to dig out a few of those today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, he's one of those guys where you know, uh, as we were talking about earlier, uh, in his prime from 1977 to about 84, he had 83 fights. 23 of those exist on video and five are highlights. So what we really know uh, when it comes to footage of him, I would say very little. Yeah, exactly. And like we were saying, it's, um, you know, so, I mean, every and myself included, I mean, when we go and look to YouTube, or I mean, that's the go-to nowadays. Um, you go to YouTube or whatever, and or your Dave Semenko fight DVD that's been made many times over. It's like <laughs> you're, you're playing it, but it's like, like you said, it's it's kind of the, for lack of a better term, kind of end of the line Semenko, really, with some yeah. with some highlights spread in there, and you know, yeah. so when somebody an older fan that maybe watched him play or remembers him like an older Euler fan that was there at that time, you know, back in the WHA days and the early, or the early eighties when they're going, Oh, Semenko was like one of the best guys, you know, you're sort mm-hmm. of like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like not from really what yeah. I've seen. And, um, and like you said, it's unfortunate because the footage just isn't there. Yeah. I remember this one guy on the old FC site, uh, his, his, Tag name was Fiasco. Yes, sir. And uh, he's from Edmonton, and I remember him telling me stories that were just fantastic. Like, for me, I had researched Samanko at the library, you know, going to the microfilms and and printing off any article there was of him. Uh, And there were stories that he was sharing that uh, I had not heard of and and fights, of course, that I had not seen. He had season tickets going back to... um, Semenko's first season in WHA, 1977-78. So it was uh, it was eye opening, and, and God wished there was footage. That's all I could ever say about Semenko. Like y- you know, he is what he was. Uh, he was there to enforce. I think he did it better than anybody. Uh, it was uh, at all costs. They didn't need to invite anybody if you cheap shotted one of his guys, and he was coming after you if you weren't ready. That's your luck. That's your tough luck. Exactly. And like we were saying, and I've said it on this show a million times, um, and I think sometimes people get them confused. Um, there's a difference between a great enforcer and a great fighter. They're two different things. And uh, yeah. and I've always said, when it came to a top 10 of all time, no, Dave Semenko is not in my top 10 fighters of all time, but mm-hmm. he is in my top, well, top five enforcers of all time. And uh, yeah. and there's a complete difference in that. And uh yeah, and like you said, there was no. Uh, yeah, if you were going to mess around, it, there was no good luck, bro. Like there was none of that. <laughs> it was uh, you're going to yeah. get it, and you're going to get it now. Yeah. Like you said, it's up to you to be ready or not. Yeah, exactly. And Tim Hunter said it very well. 
when the Oilers had their big celebration of uh, their 85 team being named the best hockey team of all time, uh, Tim Hunter and some of the Flames were invited and they were interviewed. And Hunter said of Samanko, uh, he was the best at getting someone to fight. He either punched you in the side of your head, punched you in the head, or tell them, drop your gloves or I'm dropping you. It was, it was that straightforward. And that's coming from his biggest nemesis, uh, you know, no, it was just that Semenko to a T. Like, just, you know, if you weren't ready, he didn't care. Exactly. And like we said, well, like you said before, we got going on the sh- uh, off air, when we were off air here, it was like, I've, I've always said what, when it comes to enforcing it, it's like, I mean, I, you know, we're on the message boards now or the fight groups on Facebook and I've ranted and raved it for 190 some episodes in this podcast about it. <laughs> but it's like, I, I think, so, I think sometimes the new age fans or even older fans have completely lost the plot of what enforcing is. And mm-hmm. they talk about this code or whatever and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that was, I've always said to be, for, for me, the enforcer role was to be the asshole. Yeah. It wasn't, it yeah. wasn't supposed to be nice or classy or the code or all that. No, it was, to, yeah. it, it was to impose your will on someone and bully yeah. pe- and bully people. I know that's a, yeah, a harsh exactly. word nowadays, a bully. You don't want to say that, but it's like, that's what it was. <laughs> and that's what Semenko was. Yeah. And I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what Dave the Hammer Schultz was. That's what Dave Brown yeah. was. That's what Smanko mm-hmm. was. And it was like, and that's why they were successful. I mean, yeah. you know, Schultz won two cups. Semenko won two cups. Well, yeah, it wasn't bro hugs and good luck, bro. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. And it was to, you want to, yeah. I mean, you could try it. If you want to hit Gretzky, yeah. go ahead. See what happens. Yeah. Though. It's like, yeah, I mean, it was the way of the world back in those days. Um, yeah, I could, I can, I could give. You know, there wasn't, there isn't too many examples of. It's funny. You'd think Samanko, and you think, oh yeah, he's Gretzky's bodyguard. Uh, but I bet you, if we were to look back at history, he came to the aid of Paul Coffey more than any other player on that team. Um, and I was really racking my brain, thinking, okay, well, who did, who did Samanko go after that you know had taken liberties with Gretzky? And to be honest, there's a handful of guys here. I have Claxon when he high stick Gretzky uh, that touched off the ball. Yep. Uh, Ron Settlebauer, who was this kid with, uh, I think he was with the Canucks or Chicago that year. It was the, the Gretzky's uh, rookie season. He had hit Gretzky kind of sort of from behind. Uh, Semenko basically hopped off the bench, skated right at him and dropped the gloves and dropped him. Um, there was another instance, Ryan Walter was, uh, shadowing Gretzky. Um, don't know exactly what happened, but they had got into it and, and, you know, Ryan Walter was a decent fighter back in the day. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. Very but, underrated, uh, very uh, underrated uh, under the radar for people. Walter could Yeah, go. he fought nice from very well, I thought. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's another instance who's maybe doing something a little too touchy with Gretzky. Um, Willie Plett is another one who uh, there's a picture out there where you see uh, him kind of charging at Gretzky and Semenko has a stick basically under his neck. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's from Getty. That's a great, I love that picture. I, yeah. I, I might use yeah. that picture as the, that might be the graphic for this show, for the, uh, for this episode. Yeah. I might use that picture because I love that picture. Yeah. It's just perfect. Yeah. Um, and a couple other ones were uh, Tim Hunter and Semenko's first fight was touched off by, 
uh, Hunter slashing at Gretzky. Um, so, you know, and Baxter was the very last one I could think of when uh, he came at the Edmonton bench and threatened uh, Gretzky with a stick. Smanko was still on the bench and taken. Uh, he had taken two shots at, uh, at Baxter, the last one dropping him as Lumley was coming down from the other side. That one, the video kind of sort of is there. I have that one. Uh, but, of course, the, it cuts the commercial. And when it cuts back from commercial, Baxter is still laying out on the ice. Um, so those are the only times in my memory banks and any footage uh, that he actually came to Gretzky's defense. And it wasn't much, but he was there when needed. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, <clears throat> okay, well, we'll get into all that, but I guess, I guess we have to, you know, we'll start at the beginning. Um, yeah. well, for, first of all, with you, um, I, you're a Winnipeg guy. Um, what, yeah. what, uh, what, uh, I mean, you would think with the Jets and everything, you'd be, well, I guess Semenko <laughs> was from Winnipeg though, too. So, I mean, yeah. but what, what led you, cause obviously you you weren't, uh, old enough to like, watch him play in the in the Western Hockey League or anything. What drew, no, no. What drew you to Semenko and what made you the fan to, to go do the research and everything? Um, I was a huge Oiler fan, like right off the bat. I was a Gretzky fan. My dad was an Oiler fan. Uh, so I kind of just followed suit. And, and I was lucky enough to see any time they were in Winnipeg, I had seen a lot of their games. My brother would take me uh, to the games. Um so kind of like a, being a, a huge Gretzky fan, he was my idol growing up. Uh, Semenko, just knowing his role and how psycho he looked. I just loved how freaking mean he looked. And now are we talking <laughs> kind of like mid-80s, right? Uh, I'd say probably 82 is my first real memory going back. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still, yeah. Yeah, you're still seeing wild, wild hair Semenko at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. He's out of the helmet, and he's had the crazy hair. He wasn't balding yet, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was my first thing. Is just uh, uh, Gretzky and Smanko hand in hand, right? Those are my two favorites, and everybody kind of after that. Hmm, that's interesting. So what? Uh, yeah. So, so of course, uh, yeah. Well, like you said, you were. You, I mean, you went. You went full out fight nerd. I love it. And you're hitting the. You're hitting. The, <laughs> you're hitting the libraries for microfilm and look at the youngsters yeah. listening to us. Holy shit! Are we dating ourselves here? What's <laughs> yeah, right. Beta tapes and VHS. The library. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the library. What's that? Microfilm. <laughs> but what made you like want to do all that? Uh, I got into collecting hockey fights. Um, it was weird, like you know, watching a game and a hockey fight breaks out and you get this huge rush, just as, just as a fan. Um, and, you know, I used to collect a uh, hockey news magazine and then, in, you know, you'd, you'd see the back and there'd be listings for people selling tapes. Yep. So I had bought my first one when I was 14 and then it just escalated. I watched that thing to death. It disintegrated. I just kept collecting the years and, and then player tapes were available, and it just kind of just went crazy from there. And and as I'm collecting, I'm just noticing, wow, there's not much on Semenko. And I had I had memories. I had, uh, you know, just like highlights from the news of Semenko pounding guys, and and that stuff didn't exist anymore. So that's why I decided, hey, you know, if I can go to the library and maybe catch a 
uh, some news clippings on uh, on you know fights uh, you know per date and and any articles that might might be existent on him and and I printed everything I could find out. So that's where it started. That was the origin of it. That was the origin of my craziness. See, that's see, that's the thing. So it's like, okay, well, so the Oilers. I mean, especially in the eight in the mid eighties. I mean, I mean, at least from my from my perspective, from my life. I mean, we didn't have a satellite or anything like that. We just had Hockey Night in Canada. Well, yeah, the Oilers were, of course, the darlings in the mid eighties with the expand with the yeah. with the dynasty years. I would think in the early '80s, would they not have been on Hockey Night in Canada an awful lot? Like, um, it was pretty much whenever they're doing uh, playing against uh, Montreal and Toronto. Yeah, um, that's in Winnipeg, anyways. Montreal, Toronto, those are guaranteed games that they would be on. Uh, God, I wish I was in Edmonton. Uh, ITV would, I'm sure, air everything of theirs, and. Um, you know, there there are games that exist that are out there. It's just that, you know, I don't know what happened. Like, just for example, the game he fought DeLorme in 82, well, he fought Williams that same game. Where is that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. Like, just the holes that are that are there for the like, fights that, are, that we have, like, where are the other ones in that same game? Well, and like you were saying with, like, uh, uh, fiasco. I believe his name is George, right? Is it George? Is that his oh, God, name? I can't remember. It's been I, so long. It's I, been I, so long. I, I want to say it's George. But, hey, yeah. Fiasco, if you're out there listening, get a hold of me. I want to talk to you. Yeah. Because uh, he was a good dude. I remember him from FC. You um, love him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't, like, like you said, he's in Edmonton. Why wasn't he recording this stuff? Or maybe he did record it and just yeah. never put it out. I don't know. <laughs> like, like it's I like, can tell you a story. I oh. can tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I'm, um, I'm all ears. The big, the big Samanko Brian Maxwell fight in the '83 playoffs. Uh, I had watched it live. We recorded it on our Betamax, <laughs> and then we we recorded the whole game. So we had it on beta. And then when I really got into hockey fights, I was going through all of our beta tapes and all of our VHSs just to extract fights. <laughs> So I came across that beta. I was like, oh, great. I remember it. I was in Samanko KO'd uh, Maxwell. And I had the news clip paper clipping in front of me. Uh, Maxwell's eye was shut before he even left the ice. Like, it was brutal. It was a brutal beatdown. Um, I, <laughs> I had the game. I was watching the game on the beta. And then it cut out to fucking Elvis. And about 40 minutes into the Elvis movie, the game came back and Samanko was in the penalty box. <laughs> so basically the whole fight's gone most of the game is gone and it just cuts back from when I have some anchor on the penalty box to the rest of the game I was so gutted I was so pissed off with my brother he was a big Elvis fan oh look at the the yeah. king the king right oh the the king kills <laughs> some long lost Samanko footage oh with fucking this is Elvis yeah <laughs> But like I said, yeah, to go back, it was it just amazes me, like especially on a Canadian team in, yeah. in Edmonton with a high profile, well, the highest profile. Well, I shouldn't say that. I guess Toronto, Montreal, yeah. but out west, I yeah. mean, you know, it was always Edmonton and Calgary, and Winnipeg, were like, and Vancouver were second, third, and fourth. Um, oh, for sure. You know, so I just can't believe that there wasn't just some fight nerd in Edmonton oh, I know. recording this stuff. And I mean, 
Yeah. And I mean, I had to have watched as a kid the Battle of Alberta in 82, 83. 84. I had to have been watching those mm-hmm. games. I just, yeah. I guess, I, but I mean, at that point, I'm nine years old. You know, yeah. so I'm not recording. I'm not, oh, I got to get this for my fight tape collection. I mean, I wasn't into, you <laughs> yeah. know, so I never, yeah. obviously, it wasn't something I did, but it was yeah. just, yeah, like you said, but it's got to be out there. Someone has to have it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we got to, you know, if anybody has any old boiler footage, just don't be a loser and vault it. Just share it, share it with everybody. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly, and and like we were told in the story that the the Oiler team, from what I've been told, has the footage, has the game tape still, and just will not release it to anybody. And it's just, I and like we were just saying, why? I don't understand why. Like, yeah, why would you not? Yeah, share, like, why why would you just not share that with the fans? Like, never yeah. mind the fight geeks and everything. You just like you said, why not yeah. just play the put it on your <clears throat> website? Oiler mm-hmm. and just oh here's a link to a, a 1982 game and you could see yep. Gretzky as a kid and all that like why would you just not do that I don't understand like could you imagine that being just that extra source of revenue for that for any team really yeah for guys like us we I, I would pay you know whatever whatever the cost was to be able to watch any game I wanted to back in the 70s and 80s like and 90s I mean I'd be all for that I don't yeah, understand that, the uh, rationale. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I don't know if it's a, like if it's a copyright thing or a rights ownership thing. Yeah. I don't know, but who knows? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you just hear stuff like that, and it's just so aggravating to know that yeah. all that footage is put away somewhere just to hide from the world. That and it's just at yeah. some point just going to get tossed out or disintegrate, and yeah, and for what? Like, exactly. I don't, that's, that's history. Yeah, you know. Like never mind the fights and all that. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. from our standpoint, that's what we want. But I mean, yeah. But at the end of the day, that is it's hockey history that it's just lost, or, you know. And it's just I don't know. I don't get it. But cold-minded people, yeah, yeah. organization. Well, I think they just. Well, I think a lot of it is just they maybe they just don't realize the just the interest that could probably be there for it. You know. I yeah. Mean, you know, oh yeah, you get up. You, I'm sure they've heard from a few diehards over the years, and it's just sort of eye mm-hmm. roll and just get yeah, okay, buddy, whatever. But I think yeah. I think a lot of people, yeah, especially, and I think especially just older fans in general, especially of that team and that, like like you said, they were voted best team ever and all that stuff. Just in that yeah. era, they were so, such a, you know, the dynasty team that there's so many older fans that I think are probably, I mean, I'm you know, maybe I'm reaching, but it's like, I think they're so jaded. I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. that I talk to don't even watch hockey anymore. Like they don't give a shit. Yeah. And these were like yeah. diehard. Like, Oh, I just look at my dad. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect example. It was a, he'd watch mm-hmm. everything on hockey night in Canada in the eighties and nineties. He doesn't even give a yeah. shit now. Like he doesn't watch, yeah. you know? And I think, and guys at work don't watch. And I mean, all the guys I've had on my show, hell I've had ex players. They've dedicated their yeah. entire life to playing hockey. They don't even watch it anymore. They're just like, it's garbage. You know, yeah, but, I can. You know, and it's just like, so I think they become so jaded, and I think if you gave them an opportunity to go back and see some older stuff, they would they would relish mm-hmm. it. I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the games changed totally, and I uh, personally, I don't really watch games either. Uh, I might catch a playoff game or two, uh, but really, it, it's so boring and so I don't know. Like, sure, the players are more talented now. Sure, I get that, but the heart and the emotion 
there's just something about it that just turns me off. Yeah, well, yeah, no, me too. I don't know. Well, I don't know William there, old Chippeway. He was he was saying you you run around with a uh, Patrick Line jersey all the time. I'm not, that's the rumor <laughs> he's throwing out. I'm just saying I don't want to start anything, they're, but they're giving them away. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that William. He's always starting something. You know, <laughs> but uh, well, going back to Big Dave here. So okay, you're at the library looking stuff up and everything else. Um, obviously, he played for the. Uh, uh, he played three seasons with the Brandon Wheat Kings in the Western Hockey League. Um, yeah. From, uh, well, 74 as a, as a youngster, 20, played 12 games. Uh, well, basically started with the Brandon Travelers of the Manitoba Junior yeah. A League and then yeah. played 12 games at the end of the year with Brandon, the Wheat Kings. And then the next year he became, the next two years he was a full-time a Brandon Wheat King, 18 and 19. Um, what have you sort of, um, like, like, well, there's no Euler footage. God knows there's no Brandon Weeking footage, but it's like, yeah. what have you been able to, uh, sort of, uh, get out of his Brandon years? That's, uh, uh like he I was very active. Unlike the NHL, like, you know, when you're in junior, you're trying to make that impression. And he was very, very active. Um, he had, uh, numerous battles with Archie Henderson, another minor league legend, uh, Paul Mulvey, as anybody who remembers the 80s, was a, a very prominent heavyweight for the first few seasons uh, in the early 80s. Uh, John Hillworth is another guy that uh, he had a few battles with. And um, on his fight card from the old Drop Your Gloves, it had Barry Beck on there. I have not been able to ever find any anything about it. And... Uh, on Facebook, on one of the groups, um, someone mentioned it was nothing more than just uh, them hugging each other and then falling to the ground. Again, I have no no info on that other than that. <laughs> uh, and then there's that classic um, fight with Wes George, who's another big kid from uh, Saskatoon, I believe it was. Um, yep. they, had, uh, <laughs> they had pretty much a non-event fight on the ice. Uh, where Semenko lost his balance a couple times, and uh, he talks about it in his book, and then I found a few news clippings about it where he just said uh, he felt embarrassed, and as they're skating off the ice, he decided he wanted to uh, to go again. So he basically walked on the cement floor of the Keystone Center and went after uh, West George, and uh, and <laughs> and in his mind settled the score. Uh, uh, yeah, that would have been uh, something to see on on footage or anything um he was, he was a loose cannon for everything i read about him or have read about him uh during his brandon days like he just that's where the reputation came where he was just you know a, a, a don't fuck with uh person um yeah that, that was his persona back in those days yeah well it was great because i was reading one of the articles he put up about his fight with archie henderson who was, playing yeah. for, who was playing for the Lethbridge Broncos <laughs> at the time. And uh, yeah. apparently him and Semenko had a pretty good fight. And yeah. again, it's the Brandon paper, so they're giving Semenko the yeah. win. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But he said, you know, Archie was, you know, bleeding and stuff. But uh, Semenko had ripped the Broncos' low jer- uh, crest off of Henderson's jersey and had it in his locker at the end of the game. <laughs> I'm like, that's sweet, yeah. man. He's got the guy's, he's got the guy's <laughs> logo from, you know, like, you know. It was almost like a scalp or something, right after the after the right? war. That's, a, that's exactly the thought that came up in my head. It's like the old the old days with the the stakes in the front 
uh, the front of the yard with the, with the head on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, the West, the West George incident that you're talking about. Yeah. They, uh, apparently they, yeah, they, they went, they both kind of came to, like he, I think he described it as gunfighters and they kind of, yeah. they both came marching down the hall at each other and ended up fighting in the Zamboni opening. So he goes, yeah. everybody could see it. And he goes, Oh, the sparks were flying from their blades and they were rolling <laughs> around. And I think in the book, he says he ends up, his finger was knuckle deep in West George's eye. And he yeah, was, and he's right? like, Oh shit, this isn't good. Like, he's like, yeah, I better get that out of there. You know? <laughs> And they had become teammates in for the Oilers uh, yes. in one of the years in uh, in the WHA, yep. which is uh, just kind of full circle. I know, and oh, and I always met like West George. Um, he owned uh, a not a subway. He owned a restaurant here for a little while, a badass Jack's mm-hmm. sub store, and he I, he'd be in there now and again. And it was always busy when I was in there, and I wanted to. I always wanted to like sit down and ask him. Like about that yeah. story and just uh, just his career too. He's a tough dude playing for yeah. you know yeah. three hundred minutes and juniors and shit. And you know I always mm-hmm. wanted to just talk to him, but I never had a chance opportunity to. But yeah, that's sort of the you know obviously the famous story from Dave's book. Oh, and for people wondering, yeah. Dave Semenko wrote a biography. It was called Looking Out for Number One. Um, if you have an opportunity, grab it. It's I. It's been years and years since I've read it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was a good book. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty open. He was um, mm-hmm. uh, it had some a lot of great stories about fights and and about certain fighters and and uh, you know his his personal life too is quite interesting. Uh, yeah, as a fan of his, it was like for me it was like the ultimate book. It was like a great insight into behind the scenes. It was really good. Yeah, I mean, and he wasn't one of those guys that like shied away. Oh, I, you know, now that I look back on it, I'm embarrassed. Or you know, like he never, yeah, no. like that or anything. Like no. he always said he knew what he was, and and he, like he said, yeah. if people want to call me Wayne Gretzky's bodyguard, that's fine. I was, so yeah. you know, yeah, he always uh, sort of always took that stance. But um, mm-hmm. uh, well, and that was the the interesting thing with, uh, of course, right around the time it was actually probably a perfect time for him. Uh, when he was coming out of junior, because he ended up getting uh, uh, drafted twice, once in the WHA draft and then once in the NHL draft. Uh, of course, he was drafted by the in uh, 77 by the Minnesota the North Stars in the second round. And then he was also drafted by the Houston Arrows in the second round of the WHA draft. And yeah. I think it was I from the article I read... Um, I think he kind of told Houston that he wanted to play a full, he wanted to play his overage season in the Western Hockey League. So I think mm-hmm. they tr- they ended up trading him his rights to Edmonton of the WHA. And then right then he went and played in the WHA. Yeah. Did yeah, I he get... played only a handful of games that season with Brandon. Yeah, like seven games. He had yeah. 10, 10 goals and 40, 40 yeah. minutes. And then uh, it was off to, <laughs> and then he turned pro. And uh, yeah. yeah, his first season of pro was 77-78, and he's 20 years old And yeah. uh, with the uh, Edmonton Oilers of the WHA. And, yeah, uh, and what a league to kick off your pro career. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, and then, and like you said, his, um, what's his, his first uh, WHA fight was against Cam Connor. Well, before yeah, we get yeah. into that, the article that you had posted, it was the, it was his last sort of uh, hurrah in the Western Hockey League was against the Regina Pats. <laughs> and that, that yeah. was an, that was an interesting little, uh, 
uh, <laughs> that that newspaper article, the Regina coach wasn't real happy. No, uh, was it Darren Veach? I think yes. it was Darren Veach who uh, went after the Brandon goalie during a brawl. Smanko was in the penalty box, just kind of standing there. And uh, if I remember the article correctly, he was fine to stand in the box and watch things up until Veach went after the the Brandon goalie, which kind of set him off. And um, yeah, he took care of Veach really quick and. The uh, the coach wasn't too pleased and was threatening to jump on the ice and fight some ankle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. The, there was a big article there, and while and he had petitioned the league, the Regina coach petitioned the league to to kick <laughs> Samenko out because he's too he's too mean and he's too big. Yeah. He's a man amongst boys, says the art the coach for the Pats, and he should be out. He should be playing pro and fighting other men. That was the article. So he petitioned the league. Yeah. Yeah, and it said he has written numerous letters complaining about Semenko to the WHL league officials. <laughs> head officials it was like, oh shit. Well, he got, he got his wish because that was on October sixteenth that happened, and then on October twenty sixth, uh, Semenko is fighting Cam Connor uh, in the yeah. WHA. So yeah, it's funny. He got his wish. Yeah, he's happy. He was yeah. happy. But yeah, yeah that was a. Uh, Semenko's first year in the in the WHA was pretty. Uh, there's some names on that on that list. Yeah. yeah, he fought a who's who of the WHA that season for sure. Um, Cam Connor, as you mentioned, uh, Jack Carlson, who is probably the best fighter in the WHA. Um, uh, Jill Billadu, God, like it's yeah, he fought the who's who. Like uh, um, who else was there? Willie Trognitz was a nut nuthead um well the, i don't have the list in front of me but. well i got it right here um yeah he okay. fought connor and then billado he fought carlson twice that year um yeah uh again this is 70 uh 77 78 um and then there was the um well the george lyle uh jack carlson that was in a brawl yeah uh, he, yeah it was <laughs> it was um so Carlson and Semenko went at it. And, you know, if you listen to Sather, Semenko got the better of it. Uh, he, uh, Semenko was bleeding from the nose uh, in pictures uh, of the aftermath of the fight. Um, I, I, hate to cut, I hate to cut you off, but I would love yeah. to have a color version of that picture that's oh. in the newspaper. You talk about know, an right? animal, like that he just looks yeah. like a psycho in that picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Semenko's book, he mentioned after the fight, he it was he noticed he was bleeding, and he just went psycho and basically basically took a punch at the first person he saw, which happened to be George Lyle. Uh, so they had gone at it. So he fought Carlson. He fought Lyle right after, and then was being escorted off the ice. He was making uh, uh, gestures to the crowd, and uh, I posted a picture of Semenko being restrained while he's holding a chair as he's going to throw it at someone in the crowd. It, Playing, it was right out of the scene of a WWF, right? It was right out of Saturday Night Main Event. Yep. He just looked like, like one of the villains with a chair he's about to go at with someone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and fitting, of course, a Carlson's involved. How fitting that they're going into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and exactly. And he's got the chair swinging it and everything. And he yeah. got three games for that because they got abusive official. And what was yeah. his other one? He got fined $500 for pulling hair. Him and Carlson go, yeah. both got fined for pulling hair. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that was in November yeah. 26th in uh, 77. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then he came back 
and he ended up fighting uh, Rosie Paymont. And uh, apparently uh, that was a big, uh, he injured Paymont's eye. Yeah. Him out for a while with a big, uh, he dropped him. Yeah. Um, in the article, uh, Swanko mentioned that Paymont had punched him in the back of the head, which, you know, I guess it was an invitation in Swanko's mind that, okay, we're going to fight. So uh, he basically turned around, dropped the gloves, and and uh, he, I guess he landed a really good one to Paymont's eye. I, I can't remember if it was a, he had hemorrhaging behind his eye or had broken the um, his eye socket, but uh, it essentially ended uh, Rosie Paymont's career. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and that's, that's an indication right there. Um, like you were saying, right? This is the, this is the Semenko no one sees. There's no yeah, footage. Exactly. So it's yeah, like, yeah. You, know, you know, and like, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, it's say they're saying it, but you know, there's probably some mm-hmm. kernel of truth, but there he is beating yeah. Jack Carlson, uh, ending Paymont's career, um, mm-hmm. you know, doing well against Connor. And then, you know, it's just like, yeah, unfortunately, this is the stuff you never see. Um, yeah. But one of the interesting, uh, and there is video of this, um, if you folks go to YouTube and type, if you type in like Scott Campbell and Dave Semenko, you see it. Yeah. And, and this is a yeah. true indication of enforcing. And this is yeah. what we were talking yeah, about like- at the start. Because Campbell's mixing it up with someone. They're pushing I it. think it's Zook. Uh, Mike Zook, who's like 5'9 on yeah. the best day. Yeah, like a little scorer. And then Semenko just yeah. comes in from the side and like just gloves off and just starts dummying Campbell. Yep. And that's it. It's, it's, hey, <laughs> Scott Campbell was like 6'4, 210, yep. 215. Two yep. Yeah, like he had no business gloving uh, Zook, you know, at, on any day, really. So, yeah, it's a 20-year-old kid trying to make a name for himself in, in the toughest, you know, this fucking crazy league of the WHA and sending a message, like, don't mess with my guys. And uh, to a T, that, that's what enforcing is, as you say. Yeah, well, you know what the other wild it's always kind of amuses me, is he's wearing a helmet. yeah. <laughs> It's always weird to see yeah. Semenko in a helmet. It's just like, yeah. yeah. And it's weird. Do you think yeah. he would have went the other way? Like, you would have think he went no helmet back then, and as he got old, you know, put the helmet on. Yeah. But no, he went the opposite. It was kind of strange. But um, It was weird, yeah. His first pro seasons, uh, first four seasons, he had the helmet, and uh, in 81, 82, at the beginning, he decided to, to take it off because he felt he was more aware on the ice. I guess he'd have to be without a helmet. Yeah, was that a, I, is that the reason why he took it off? I don't remember why. Yeah. I don't remember reading anything yeah. about. He said he said he just made him feel more aware on the ice, which is uh, yeah, I guess you're really being a fighter. God, that's risky without a helmet all the time. I would have I would have kept it on. I would have gotten one of the Coopers actually instead of the CCM. Well, yeah, and especially at, at like in that time period. Because like you yeah. said, you got it's like the Wild West, right? And it's like guys coming yeah. from, from every which direction. And if it's a scrum, you might get drilled. And I mean, yeah. stick, it doesn't matter, you know? So, yeah, I can't believe mm-hmm. anybody wouldn't. I I have no idea why anybody wouldn't wear a helmet. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. But but um, the following year, 78-79, um, uh, it's the final year of the Western Hockey, or Western Hockey League, WHA. And... Um, they actually have uh, at the beginning for preseason. It's an interleague play, and they play yeah. the Vancouver Canucks. And he gets into two fights with uh, Wolfman McElhargy and one with Randy yeah. Holt. And the Holt one's on tape, yeah. is it not? 
Uh, the Mathel Hargy one, uh, there's like, a, I have a three second clip yep. of it. Yep. And it's toe to toe. It's awesome. Yep. Like, God, you know, three seconds of a damn fight. Um, I've heard, uh, no, not heard, I, I read that Semenko got the better of it as he pulled McElhargy's jersey over his head and, and pounded him a few before the refs came in. Again, you know, that's a news clipping. Uh, and why the Holt one isn't available, I don't know. But apparently that one was a draw. Oh, pardon me, the Holt one I'm getting mixed up. That's the L.A. fight with Holt that I'm thinking of that I was watching yeah, this morning. Yeah. That was a really good yeah. fight, too. Randy Holt. Yeah, that was good. It's funny because completely off topic, but Randy Holt, of course, is in um, is in one of the fight message groups, um, and, yeah. it's, and it's been interesting reading his posts because um, he is he is not afraid to throw out his opinion on things, and um, yeah. he uh, he you know, and uh, although he didn't, I don't, I think somebody brought up Samanko. He didn't have anything bad to say about Samanko though, but um, yeah, there's a few guys he's put the put the mouth to, though, but it's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's a gentleman I, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get him on the show. I would uh, I'd love to get that would be awesome. Yeah, well, and it's and I he kinda, was awesome. Yeah, well, and like again, another guy. I mean, I knew who he was and all that stuff, but I, I yeah. haven't really done the deep dive into his career. Again, probably not mm-hmm. a lot of footage, but the stuff that no. I have seen of him, woof, that's nice. Like, oh, he's toe to toe. Yeah, yeah. Like he was toe to toe with anyone. Like, like you said, with some ankle fight that we did uncover. Uh, from uh, I think that was a preseason or maybe early in the season of seventy nine eighty, it's toe to toe. Like he's taking some big shots and he 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 gave a few and it was like you know he's been outsized by quite a bit and it was with Samanko Holmgren he got the best shot in in that fight I think. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, just any fight that I've seen Holt in, he was just balls out. It was incredible. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely, like I said, I want to get him on the show and, uh, hopefully he'll come on. And, uh, like I said, if he's, uh, if he's that forthcoming on the, in the Facebook group, I'd love, uh, you know, on audio, I'd love to hear what he has to say. That'll be, uh, that could be interesting. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he'll do it. But, uh, but yeah, so we go into the 78, 79 season. So he has those couple fights. Um, and then he, he has his first run-ins with, uh, Kim Claxon. Uh, yeah. You know, which of course was infamous the the following year in the NHL. But these were the yeah. first first two run ins that, and uh, he seemed to have a little thing going with Rob Ramage too, as he fought him three times. Yeah, I did is... notice that it was quite. Uh, I don't know. So Ramage had his moments mm-hmm. in the NHL where uh, he was an aggressive player for sure. Um, I don't know how he would have been. I guess he would have been nineteen at the time. Uh, so yeah. I would, very curious to how those battles went because he he wasn't a small guy either. No, no, not at all. And uh, and it was interesting. Uh, well, of course, one of the guys he tangled with, which just surprised me, was Mike Gartner. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh yeah. I mean, I. But um, oh, I I would assume Gardner did something. <laughs> oh, I would think so. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he just sort of went out and said, "Let's do this." I mean, I don't. I can't see Gartner really. Uh, you know chomping at the bit to go try that out but uh yeah but uh but one of the interesting stories that i read uh and it was in it he talked about it in the book but you also had the article was of course him uh flattening rick vive yeah yeah rick vive um he apparently was uh just being a pest 
um, being lippy to the to Sather and and to random players and and Smanko, I remember him in his book saying that whenever you know he came on the ice, vibe is best to hide behind the linesman and chirp. Um, and uh, Smanko mentioned vibe being on the top of his list. That he had a list, uh, a mental list of players that he wanted to, uh, you know, get at. So in that particular game, vibe had cross-checked Smanko uh, from behind, causing it to play go offside. <laughs> Smanko, I guess, instantly turned around and just fired right after right. Smanko, uh, Vive went down, he was out, and Smanko proceeded to give him another two or three shots while he was down. And uh, Vive was basically out on the ice. He was out in the dressing room, came to, like half, I can't remember how long, but quite a bit after the event, and uh, was totally out of it. Like he, he didn't know where he was, what time it was, what happened. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, Vive had no business, you know, crawling up that tree, and and he, he paid the price that uh, he got. No, absolutely, yeah. I can remember uh, reading that, and it was interesting. I saw, um, oh damn, it's it, it's somewhere. Oh, and for, I forgot to bring this up for for people that are are listening. Um, uh, you of course started the Dave Smanko Appreciation page on Facebook. Yeah. And I encourage anybody to to join because there's lots of, uh, like you said, you've put up a lot of the newspaper articles. Um, there's some video on here, lots of pictures. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I've actually spent the last, uh, I, well, I've spent the last hour and a half this morning just uh, scrolling through all this stuff and reading it. And uh, uh, yeah, so I encourage anybody to check that, should definitely check this site out. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun starting that up and kind of going through all my um, newspaper clippings and pictures that I've saved over the years and really didn't know what to do with. And and uh, being a part of all the other um, Facebook group pages, I decided, you know, I'll give it a shot. And whoever is interested can uh, join and can share stories and, and video if anybody has any anything that I don't have or in pictures. And, you know, it's just fun. It's been fun. Um I've been trying to do it chronologically, but, uh, you know, every so often I'll throw whatever comes into my head. And it's been, uh, I really enjoy doing it. And yeah, anybody who's wanting to join, more than happy to have you. Oh, absolutely. Well, here you have the newspaper article. Yeah, here, who turned the lights out? And it's got a picture of Vibe getting helped off by <laughs> yeah. teammates. And he's got the, got the you know, they're holding his nose and stuff. And then here's the, yeah, Scott put up the, the quote from the book. I was, yeah, I was at the blue line when Vibe tried to push me off sides by coming up behind me at the, and cross-checking me in the shoulder blades. That did it. I turned around and dropped him with one punch. Then I hit him again on the way down, and I gave him another one when he hit the ice. He was a vegetable yeah. after that. Yeah. That's cold, man. That's a cold shit right there. Right? It's, that's as cold-blooded. It's it's uh, it's what you want in a player in that position. I, I don't... Um... You know, it sucks to be the opposing player, but that's what you want. I'd want that guy on my team. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, but, of course, he again, he fought uh, Gilles Bad News, or, yeah, Bad News Billado a couple more times. And uh, yeah. and then, of course, the uh, uh, the John Gibson uh, big uh, KO that there is video of uh, on the page. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crappy video, but uh, it's there, I guess. I mean, it's... You could see it. You could see. Yeah. I, They're ant-sized, but you could see it. I laugh at the guys. You could hear the guys filming it. 
Oh, you're going to get yeah. it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then, well, there, and that sort of, uh, wraps up the, the WHA. And I always throw out this little, the little tidbit of trivia for anybody out there for a little bar trivia. Uh, Dave Semenko scored the last goal in WHA history. And, uh, yeah, there was, they were getting beat pretty good, but he got that last one in there. Yep. <laughs> Yep. The announcer yeah. called him Disco Dave. <laughs> there we go. And then of course we uh you know the the uh the Oilers get absorbed into the uh into the NHL and um I think it, where oh, where was I reading this now? Um Yeah, okay, so when the Oilers joined the NHL, Semenko's rights were actually retained by the North Stars who had drafted yeah. him the two years earlier. Um and the Oilers traded their second and third round picks in the NHL draft to acquire the rights from the North Stars, um, who with those ended up drafting uh, Neil Broughton. But the the trade also gave the Oilers a third round pick, which they used to select some dude named Messier. So it kind of worked out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Happily. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's sort of an interesting little little trade there that, uh, you know, that happened. But... uh, well, we roll into the NHL, and uh, and here we go, right? Seventy nine, eighty, and yep. um, you know, while we start off that preseason against the Kings and those two fights with yep. Randy Holt, and um, yep. you know, and uh, like as we mentioned, um, look like solid tilts for sure. And then, yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, go. Yeah. Um, there was an interview of uh, Jay Wells. Uh, he he was interviewed. And I can't remember what site it was on, but uh, he spoke of those two fights. And um, he had said that Smanko gave it to Holt really good on the first fight. And he uh, he had come to the bench and he was just, you know, b- bloody, a bloody mess. And then Holt goes, I'm going to go him again. And uh, so he went out and they, they fought again and Smanko got on him again. And uh, it was in the dressing room, I believe, Jay Wells said, uh, in Holt, you know, he was just beaten. His face was beaten really well. Uh, Jay Wells and uh, Holt says to Jay Wells, "I'm going to go him again." And Jay Wells is like, "I don't think that's a good idea." Just you know, he knows you've proven your point. <laughs> yeah, you've proven your point. It's good. He's good for today. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's even that quote that you had on the thing that even Semenko was like, he said, "If the LA team had as much guts as Holt did, they'd be better than they were," yeah. or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, he had obviously, you know, it may be begrudging, but nonetheless, he had the respect yeah. for Holt too. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, and like I said, I think even in the Facebook group, if it, it wasn't that long ago, but like I said, the topic of Semenko came up because somebody had that video mm-hmm. showed Holt or whatever, and and he, like yeah. I said, he was he didn't he had nothing but positive to say about Semenko too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But of course, the next little thing is a little interesting. He gets it in October twenty third against the Islanders. Of course, Semenko gets into it with Billy Smith. Yeah, Billy Smith. Um, <clears throat> There's footage. Uh, it's grainy. Uh, it's just a highlight. And of course, all these freaking, all this footage with highlights. Um, Billy Smith had apparently butt ended Semenko. Like he was in, Semenko was in the crease and doing his thing, but uh, he caught uh, Billy Smith's stick in the eye, which had cut him. And he had turned around, Semenko had turned around and obviously glove punch and then they started at it. Um, you know, luckily to Billy Smith, uh, Gary Howitt jumped in. And um, in an article I had read about it, 
Billy Smith had said it was a good thing that how it had came in and was restraining them because Semenko was trying to kick them while they were down. So, <laughs> so you know, he was just a wild man. Like, you know, if you're going to, especially in those early days, if yeah. you were fucking with him, it was like, God bless, you know, he, he better be restrained because uh, uh, I think the sight of blood for Semenko on him was uh, like he just went over the edge. Yeah, yeah, by all accounts, right? And like you said, with the articles and things, and it seems every, like even in his book or the different articles that you read, it's like, I yeah. saw blood, so then I, yeah. you know, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, you get that feeling that it's just like snap show when he sees his own blood, yeah. right? And, yeah, uh, exactly. Well, and of course, January 19th becomes the infamous game against Pittsburgh, uh, yeah. where he fights Kim Claxon. Well, he basically gets four, I think it's four fighting majors in this game. Which uh, yeah. he ends up with Claxon three times, and of course yeah. there's that brief video of them like Claxon's in the penalty box, Semenko's on the yeah. ice, they're trying to punch each other again, and yeah, yeah, I, it was great. Yeah, it was just uh, you know again highlight footage. Yep. Uh, but you kind of try to piece it together by reading everything you can about it, um, and then in his book as well. Uh, where Claxton, of course, uh, sticked Gretzky. He wasn't a high stick. You know, Gretzky was tripping over the goalie, and, and Claxton just kind of brought up the stick. It was probably, what, maybe knee-high, uh, but it was enough to touch off a brawl. Um, you could see in the footage, Semenko seeing what happened, skating directly at Claxton, and Messier beat him to the punch. Uh, uh, Claxton worked over Messier apparently pretty good. Uh, while that was going on, everybody was off the benches, and 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 Semenko had uh, gone after Russ Anderson, and and you could see a little clip of it in those in that footage. Um, he had him on the ground, and then of course uh, you know the shadow boxing, uh, Semenko and and Claxton on in the penalty box, and just that brief clip of um, them going at it, where uh, Claxton actually landed a really good punch, that popped off Semenko's helmet. Uh, from everything I've heard, you know, everything you read, you know, Smanko apparently handled uh, Claxton pretty well in all three fights. Uh, and again, you know, that's all hearsay. Who knows? Claxton was a really good fighter. Um, uh, Cam Connor, in his podcast, mentioned um, that uh, in their last fight, the third fight that those two had in that brawl, um, while the referees were were separating them, Claxton got a hand loose and popped Smanko a good one on the side of the face, which uh, which Smanko had a swollen face uh, for a few days after that. So um, it was just just one of those brawls you wish you had. It was just you know the minute and a half that we have of it looked it was just looked phenomenal. Like as a fight fan, that would be one of the holy grails. No, absolutely, and and I know in his book he talks about every time Claxton would come back at him, he he goes he'd have that stupid helmet back on, and he, <laughs> and he goes and after he goes after it was all said and done, he goes I fight this guy three times, and Lasmeco <laughs> in his book basically says I gave it to him all three times, but he goes yeah, yeah. there he is with a goddamn helmet on his head still and not a mark on his face, <laughs> and he's just like are you kidding me like yeah I remember Lasmeco being pretty pissed about that in his book actually yeah. Yeah, yeah. They actually had a they actually had a fourth fight that season. Yep. Uh, in in Edmonton, I think it was where Claxton had high stick Don Murdoch, 
And uh, in the article, it says uh, Spanko won a decisive decision uh, pretty quickly over Clarkson, so he must have probably just jumped him or something. But, um, yeah, they uh, they had a pretty good rivalry. No, absolutely. And like he said, well, you had the three fights or the four fights there, and what was it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, three before in the WHA. And, yeah, yeah. it um, it'd be interesting. Well, speaking of interesting, of course, the following year, 80-81, um, he ends up actually in the preseason fighting future teammate Don Jackson, who's playing with Minnesota yeah. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then actually, when you remember. Got, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please. I was going to say with Don Jackson, they, I know they must have had something going because they ended up fighting twice in the minors that year, too. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, who, I can't remember who shared the story, uh, but uh, after one of their fights in Wichita, if, any, if anybody doesn't know, Samanko wore 99 for Wichita because 27 was taken, 17 was taken, which was his junior number. And, uh, oh, this story was shared by Gretzky at, uh, Semenko's funeral. And, uh, he asked if 99 was taken. So <laughs> that was the number he took. But, uh, back to the fight. Um, after one of the fights with Don Jackson, Don Jackson had ripped off one of the nines on his jersey. <laughs> so, was, uh, I thought Don Jackson was a good fighter. Um, he gets a lot of slack over a few of his fights, but, uh, uh, he was, uh, he was a tough defenseman and, yeah, I think he. I think he would have handled himself well versus Semenko. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's funny with the with the. Yeah, ask for twenty seven and seventeen, and then well, how about ninety nine? Yeah, so there he is <laughs> uh, with the Wichita Wind in the Central Hockey League, wearing number ninety nine. Ended up playing fourteen <laughs> games down there, but um, that was interesting. Just reading the article because, um, like you said, in that that first year, the first full year in Edmonton. Um, you know, by all accounts, does very well in his fights. Um, you know, six yeah. goals, six assists, you know, whatever. And then, um, or pardon me, uh, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. 58 games, or he has the, uh, or, oh God, what am I looking at? No, 67 games, 13 points, whatever, he's doing okay. And then the following mm-hmm. year, um, they said his, uh, was it an incident with, uh, was it O'Reilly? He seemed to... Uh, he, he kind of lost favor with management or whatever, and they sent him down. Um, oh, it was uh, Playfair. Playfair, pardon me. Um, oh, yes, yeah. that's when he fights Larry Playfair. And, uh, yeah. And by all accounts, so what do they got? Larry picking up the win in that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, Smanko was very candid in saying that was the hardest he had ever been hit in a fight. Um, uh, he buckled. I don't, I can't. I don't know if he got dropped or his legs buckled and, and they had, you know, fought a little bit more and tumbled to the ice. Uh, I've heard, you know, a few different ways, but uh, in any event, that was what they call Semenko's first decisive loss in his professional career. Um, he got, he wasn't dropped to the minors right after that. Cause basically the next game, Semenko fought Ron DeLorme in Colorado and, uh, and got, and Semenko got the decision in that one. So, it um he just wasn't playing much after his initial goal scoring streak and then the play fair fight and, and then he fought the norm and then it just kind of sat on the bench and did nothing uh i think brian watson was the coach at the time before Sather took over yeah and like you said yeah the play fair fight was november 23rd the norm fight was the 25th um, yeah you know, and they fights Darcy Rhoda on January 21st. And then at that yeah. point, it's January 29th. He's in, 
in Wichita and he fights Don Jackson. Yeah. So, and then he fights him again, February 12th. And then March mm -hmm. 19th or pardon me, March 29th, he's back up in the NHL or his yeah. next fight in the NHL is March 29th against Paul Baxter in Pittsburgh. Right. You know, yeah. and, then, and then it's into the playoffs where he fights Howitt. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. That's funny. I didn't realize that he, yeah, he, 99 with, uh, with Wichita. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, his, his sense of humor is legendary within, uh, I know uh, his teammates and stuff. And, you know, just by getting a glimpse of, of that, just being kind of a outsider looking in and you could kind of see that would be what he would do. He'd be the only person brave enough to do it. I think at that time. Although Rick Dudley had 99 and Paymont did in Toronto, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's funny though. But, uh, but when he comes back up with, with Wichita, actually at 80, 81, you know, 58 games, he had 11 goals, you know, so it wasn't, yeah. um, you know, and then the following two years with in the NHL, he had 12 both seasons. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, now again, you know, obviously Edmonton pretty stacked team and whatever, but it, you know, yeah. But even in junior, um, you know, he had 27 goal season, and uh, well, like we said that last year, he had 10 goals in seven games. He wasn't yeah. completely clueless with a little black thing rolling around out there. Like he wasn't that bad. No, you know, like if you if you have a look at the '84 playoffs when he played on Gretzky's line, uh, he got what five goals and five assists that playoff. So 10 yeah. points in the I don't know 18, 19 games they played. Yep, that is a good. That's a good playoff. You're you're playing against the best teams. You're playing in the highest tempo. You know you're you're playing in the playoffs, and and you have the role of the enforcer too. I mean, he he didn't look out of place. Like he played the best hockey of his career, and and it showed. Like if he gets the ice time, I think any of these guys really, if they got the ice time and weren't just dump, jumping on the ice for thirty seconds, you know, three times a game, they all had the skill to get there. Like they're not just you know, clueless zombies are just out there to fight. Like they all had skill at some point in their careers. Exactly. And I think that, and I think for, especially for the, for people that maybe haven't looked into it or for the younger fans or whatever, um, I, it, it's a completely as the role of the fighter or enforcer or whatever changed over the years. Right. And, uh, you know, when you start getting into the, into the, you know, the, these last couple decades or whatever, when you had like the Bugards and the Colt Norris, well, those guys mm -hmm. were five shift guys in the Western in junior as well. Like yeah, they were, yeah. you know, and like it's like we were saying before we got going. Now that could be argued whether that's good or bad, whatever. Yeah. But that was just what the in vogue thing was. Was you had the nuclear mm -hmm. weapons, the McIntyres, yeah. the Bugards, and whatever. But back yeah. in the seventies and eighties, all these guys, Semenko included, um, yeah. like I said, with Craig Berube, thirty goal scorer, Darren Kimball, thirty goal scorer. Yeah. Um, you know, all these guys, um, Joey Coaster scored 40 with the blades, mm -hmm. you know, it's, they weren't three shift guys. You yep, had, exactly. they all played a regular shift and got regular time. So it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, they all had skills. Now, when they got to the NHL, everybody got sort of slotted into their roles and yeah. okay. Samanko didn't, you know, yeah, he wasn't playing 20 minutes a game, but yeah. Like you said, when he got put with Gretzky there, I mean, again, you're with Gretzky, but hey, you still got to put it in, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, 10 points in 19 playoff games. I mean, so, yeah, like you said, he's just some goof out there that doesn't know what he's doing. So, mm -hmm. but, um, 
yeah, just kind of as we go through the 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 fight card, eighty one eight, the following year, eighty one eighty two, um, he sort of has an interesting from your article there. It was sort of an interesting <laughs> run in with uh, Terry O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, um, it was during. Of course, everybody has seen this fight. Uh, Jonathan was picking apart Don Jackson, and uh, Semenko. If you read his book, he says. He, he couldn't just stand around and do nothing because Sather would have been pissed off about that. So he started, he decided he's just going to poke his stick at uh, Jonathan's skate blades and see if O'Reilly would do anything. So <laughs> if you look at the footage, you kind of see O'Reilly grab at Semenko's, you know, just grab him by his head type thing to pull him off uh, as he was poking at uh, Jonathan's skates with his stick. And to Semenko, that was enough that, okay, we're going now. <laughs> so, uh, of course, he was quick to drop the gloves and, and pound away at O'Reilly. And, and I think it was Peterson who jumped in. And and uh, that was that. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that's the story behind that one. It's just uh, if he went to the bench not doing anything while his teammate was getting beat on, uh, it wouldn't have looked good on him, I guess, to Sater's eyes. Yeah, and like you said, that's like – that. You know, again, a completely different mindset or way the game is played, right? I mean, nobody would dream of doing that now, but uh, yeah, yeah. you know, back then it was like, well, I better do something and like sucker somebody, or you know, we got to mm-hmm. gain back the upper hand visually, yeah. right? So it's like, you know, and like you said, yeah, I'm going to just start this this little jabbing at Jonathan while he's fighting to get Taz to do something, and sure enough, and yeah, then, yeah, so. Yeah, it's just interesting how the the mind games and the mindset that went into hockey back then. Um, yeah, exactly. Was, uh, Tiger Williams spoke about it a lot. I remember uh, there was a quite a, an extensive interview with Tiger Williams done. It's, I think it's on YouTube where he talks about the role and and it's, it's a lot of mind games. Like it's uh, intimidation. It's uh, you know getting the point across and and since my ankle and that instant like yeah you're being at my teammate you know see what happens now and you know o'reilly was still tough at that time uh so he got him to go in in Semenko's way and and uh he, he laid a beating on o'reilly and that stuck with the garden yep no absolutely and uh while well, speaking of tiger uh you know Semenko fought him uh, a little later uh in that season <laughs> and uh and then also had the fight with uh, Ron DeLorme, which is a great fight yeah. that's on video. Yeah. Um, just a toe-to-toe, and you can yeah. see the power of Semenko in that fight. It, the, it's a total testament how well DeLorme could take a punch. Well, that too, yeah. Uh, like how he, stood, how he stood there. Um, you could hear, you could feel the head snap back. Yep. Um, and the helmet popping off 10 feet in the air. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he had a Semenko look to have a quite the punch um, when he fought that style. Um, yeah, but reading up about that whole, just kind of give a backstory on that fight. Semenko really wanted to get at Williams, um, and uh, Ron DeLorme stepped in and and took the glove punch, uh, and uh, away they went. So, yeah, him and Williams had mentioned. Um, I forgot what he called Semenko. He called him a big goof or something in one of the articles. So, uh, you know, Semenko being Semenko saying, okay, well, let's, let's uh, see who's the big goof. 
Yeah, I, I think at the time, um, if I remember correctly, like you said, uh, even in Williams' book, I don't think Williams was very flattering with about Semenko, uh, if I remember correctly. He did say he was one of the best for sure. I, I think I had that book somewhere. Uh, but yeah, he had called him a big goof. He called him, uh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, there's a few words he had about him. Yeah, like just, he, uh, he sort of viewed him as like the goon. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, and he did say, yeah, he did say he was a good fight or whatever, but it was more like, yeah. yeah, but he's just out there. That's all he does. And that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And, um, and again, with Tiger Williams, it's like, he's definitely outspoken and whatever. I will say with Tiger, mm-hmm. um, in terms of actual fighting, he probably wasn't the greatest fighter. He would certainly fight yeah. everybody. And he did. His yeah. fight card's unbelievable. He's fearless and all that. I'm not mm-hmm. taking that away from him. Actual pugilistic yeah. ability. He wasn't that great in my opinion. No. But I yeah, think what, get, what gets lost with a lot of people, yeah, he's the all-time penalty minute leader or whatever. Tiger Williams is a great mm-hmm. player. Yeah, he, he put up some great numbers. Oh, 20, 30 goals. No question. Like, oh, he'd be making $10 million a year if he was doing that shit these days, right? <laughs> like, I'm, Yeah, he'd be today's Tom Wilson. Yeah, yeah, he was, really, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I think that gets lost on a lot of people. They just don't look into it. Like, they're always oh, the all-time penalty yeah. leader. Well, he must be the biggest goon of them all, you know? And it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he did crazy shit and all that, but just like yeah. everyone else did. But, I mean, he was a great player. And, he, like, 50-goal yeah. guy and junior and, yeah, like, um, was a, I, I only bring that up because I was reading, as I was doing this kind of research for Semenko and just sort of reading, mm-hmm. Went down the rabbit hole of just reading different articles about everybody, and there was an article yeah. about Tiger Williams, and it was like, I, I can't remember the wording that they used, but oh, he was some goon from Swift Current. And I'm right? Like, Are you kidding? He's like a fifty goal scorer. I'm like, it was him and Brian <laughs> yeah. Tracce led the team in scoring. Like they're talking like <laughs> Schulter Williams was some just some idiot that was, you know, three shift a, three shift a game guy or something. I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like the guy was a friggin' all-star, but, okay, but, uh, yeah, anyway, back to our thing, the one thing that strikes me here about Semenko, as I kind of just scroll his fight card and everything else, is mm-hmm. he didn't actually really fight that much. No, no, I think 81, 82, he had, what, four fights, like, four real fights, um, yeah, like, I don't think he was the type of player to fight just to fight, um, he fought with a purpose. Yeah, you know, uh, like we said, if, if someone took liberties with a teammate, he was absolutely going to be there. Uh, but he didn't fight on, you know, just to be out there fighting for his own ego. It was, uh, it was very in the game. It was completely in the game. Um, so he, it, yeah, his numbers wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't have twenty fights a season, not even close. Um, you know, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but yeah, eighty-one, eighty-two, he had four fights. And yep. maybe 82, 83 was what, maybe 10? 1, 2, 3, 4. So, yeah, well, he had 8, yeah, 8 regular season and like 3 preseason, right? So, yeah. And so, of course, yeah. and one of the preseason fights was, of course, with Playfair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the numbers would not even be close to a Chris Nyland, for example, or, uh, you know, the modern day guys. Well, not the new modern day guys, but the guys from the 90s or the 2000s. Yeah, and like you said, doing and, 30, 40. yeah, and it's just, yeah, and it's an interesting, like you said, as hockey kind of changed, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, I guess Schultz and them had 20-some, and, you know, yeah. but it was sort of in the 80s, 
yeah, that early eighties, um, yeah, there was like, or in the nineties, like you said, with Baruby and Domi and all these guys with 30 yeah. fights and then a whole handful with 20 some and, you know, and it just, right. um, it just didn't seem like there was just that many back then. There just wasn't that many guys putting up those big numbers, you know? Yeah. I mean, it could also be by design too. Like, you know, he did some pretty outlandish shit out there. Like, you know, during fights with Williams, for example, he headbutted him. He, he pulled his hair. He, he gouged West George's eye. I mean, there's stories going back for Samanko that, uh, you know, word gets around. And, do you, re- you know, for some players, do you really want to challenge that? Do you really want to push this guy to that edge? And I could only imagine, like he mentioned in Ice Guardians, uh, verbal intimidation. Yep. You know, someone as, as crazy looking as him came up to me and I was kind of stirring the pot a little bit and came up to me and said, you know, do we really want to continue this? You know, I'd, I'd be very hesitant. Yeah, exactly. That's, well, me. That's, an, that's an outsider. I've never played, you know, NHL hockey. So, but for a lot of the guys outside of the true heavyweights, yeah, I'm probably going to curve the way I'm playing. No, exactly, and the, and the thing with Semenko too is uh, maybe not by today's day, but but for back then he was huge. Yeah, for, for NHL, yeah. we didn't talk about that, but I mean he was legit six three, and two hundred yeah. whatever pounds. And I mean, okay, nowadays mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of guys, but back then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And you could watch even on the videos, like he stands out in those brawls and stuff. Yeah. You could see how oh, big yeah. he, how big he is compared to everybody. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I would bet. You know, I've seen him stand, like standing side by side with Jim Kite, and he was on par with him. And he, Jim Kite was, well, they listed him at six four or six five, I should say. Maybe he was a legit six four. I don't know, but uh, yeah, he he he's a full head taller than most guys easily. Yeah, and like you said, at the time period, yeah, it really stands out. But uh, yeah, but as far as that. Um... As far as that preseason fight with Playfair, the rematch, do you know anything about that? Yeah. Um, just what you read, really. I mean, Samanko said he, you know, it was a close, in close fight and, and really not much damage was done. Uh, I can't remember if he proclaimed himself the slight winner in that. Um, it, yeah, it was, I think it was just a matter of getting the rematch in. Um, I would have loved to have seen it, obviously, any of those type of fights, but, uh, I don't think it was anywhere near the uh, the event that the first fight was. No, no. And it was, um, well, and of course this year is, Corey fights Randy Holt again. Holt this time is in Washington, you know. And he, yeah. Uh, but he also, this is the first time he runs into Tim Hunter. You know, yeah, and, and it's and it's funny how those two, as their careers went on, of course, the Battle of Alberta. And I think that's what yeah. everybody remembers, the Hunter Semenko. That was his whatever yeah. his nemesis and of course the famous pictures of that famous picture that's everywhere with him and hunter kind of shoulder to shoulder yeah. kind of smirking at each other and um yeah. i know they eventually got together and did a big autograph signing and raised a lot of money for charity with that picture i know that hunter and Samanko yeah. after, after it was all said and done but um mm-hmm. um yeah and what a rivalry with tim hunter oh yeah i mean hunter oh maybe okay so the first fight they had was was when uh, Hunter had slashed Gretzky and, and Smanko stepped in. And uh, I think it was Fiasco who told me that it was a quick fight. Smanko got the punches in and the linesman came in. 
Um, and then, of course, the first real brawl between the two was in the 83 playoffs where Smanko was doing pretty well in the first first part of the fight. Then Hunter got the cross grab and tied up uh, Smanko's right and then pretty much was throwing punches. If they landed or not was, you know, was whatever. But he showed great. And <laughs> and then, of course, when the linesman came in, uh, Smanko suckered him. <laughs> a good one that dropped Hunter after the fight or after the fight was done. So, uh, but yeah, the cross grab and Hunter with Semenko was his bread and butter. It was, uh, yep. the 85 fight. He picked apart Semenko like I've never seen. Um, and he beat him really good in that fight. And the fight in 85, uh, in Edmonton, it was. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. and that was, and that's what we were talking about before. It was like, for as much as the rivalry was that we were saying, Hunter mm-hmm. kind of gave it to him when they, whenever yeah, time they fought. Him. And, it's, sure. and, um, and I know in the article when he suckered him at the end of that fight, the yeah. article proclaims that it was Hunter was after the, when the refs were in there, was sort of sticking his jaw out at Semenko and mocking him. Yeah. And so yeah. Semenko drills him. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'll have to ask. Yeah. Tim Hunter is another guy I want to get on the show. I'm going to all ask yeah. him about that if I get him on. Um, now, that could just be the newspaper articles. Try it. I don't. I didn't look to see if it was an Edmonton paper and they were just trying to defend yeah. Semenko's cheap shot on him. I think, to right. me, from watching it, I think Semenko is just frustrated with Hunter not being able to yeah. to, to get him, right? And, and yeah. kind of being picked apart, like you said. So it was like... Oh, I have a hand free, and here's my chance. I'm going to drill this asshole, right? That's how I always looked at it. Yeah, yeah, and it would have went either way. Back in those days, if, if you got a hand free, you're going. You're you're just going to chuck it. Um, yeah, uh, I think we, there's what four fights of theirs and uh, that's available on on tape. Um, there's that one in the playoffs uh, with the sucker shot. There's the '85 one where where Hunter just dismantled them. There was that quick one where Semenko was trying to get at Peplinski. Hunter jumped in. There was a nothing fight. And then the 86 playoff one, which was uh, when Hunter elbowed Poffy in the corner and Semenko was like basically right after him and uh, bloodied him uh, with, uh, I don't know, landed a few rights and threw some lefts in there. And, and then that big line brawl happened with, um, I think uh, McSorley was, with Fatiu, of course they didn't fight, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, those were. Was that the one where? Yeah, but where, where it, does he he knee lifts him, doesn't he? Oh no, that was the eighty-five fight where he, <laughs> he need him. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had no hands to to do anything, so he used the knee. <laughs> yeah, I said he's, uh, he's so he's actually basically throwing a bunch of cheap shots at Tim Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say to yeah. Hunter's credit, he never did it back to him. I guess at that nope. point it's like, oh, I beat him up. What more do I need to do to him? Yeah. I guess, but yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to stir that pot though. Too, who knows what's coming after you next? No, exactly. Um, but yeah, no. Hunter, Hunter did. Uh, he had that. He was strong enough. I think he was probably well. He was obviously in much better condition, uh, cardio wise, um, and Semenko. Also, like he did say that he felt that Hunter was stronger than him. So, you know, and being a way better technical fighter, it was just, uh, it was, a, you know, his style versus Semenko. He, he, and Hunter beat him out. 
Yeah, well, that was, and that's always been the kind of the story is like Tim Hunter was one of the early, it sounds so funny to say now because these guys are just yeah. machines now, but back then, yeah. Hunter was one of the early workout guys and like took it yeah. real serious with the weightlifting and everything. So yeah, he was definitely, mm-hmm. and you can just see the, and the way he fought too, you can just see when he cross grabbed guys and, and had a hold yeah. of them, guys were not getting out of that. Like, no, yeah. no, he was very smart, very incredibly intelligent, smarter or a fighter, I should say. Uh, you know, Langdon was one of those. Um, yep. Yep. Chris Myland was very good at the at the grab. He had a great grip. He's just one of those fighters that just was so technically sound. You, you really had a tough time with him. No, absolutely. And like you said, that I and uh, I think Steve and I talked about this uh, on one of our episodes. Might have been when I was doing one of my Twitter tournaments, and the, Tim Hunter's name came up, and it was. Uh, and Steve was talking about how he had never seen anybody do the cross grab before. Like, mm-hmm. and he'd always say, and he said, I would love to ask Hunter about like, how did you come up with that? Cause he goes, I've all the videos I've seen. He goes, I've never seen yeah. anybody do anything like that. At least not on purpose, you know? And, yeah. and Hunter made it a, made it a, a technique and it was just oh, like, yeah. I wonder where he got the idea from or, you know, or whatever. It just, mm-hmm. cause it certainly was effective without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he did that with Dave Brown. He did that with, uh, Geez, any of those guys, any of those super heavyweights, he, that, that was his go-to. No, absolutely. Well, the following year is like we said, perfect example, right? He only had the five fights in 83. Um, yeah. And, uh, but one of them, I was going to say, he's actually fought him a few times. I didn't, we, I didn't throw his name out at you before was, uh, of course you being in Winnipeg was Jim Mann, Jimmy Mann. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, very little info on those. <laughs> Um, Jimmy, they fought in seventy nine eighty when Jimmy Mann basically made the rounds throughout the league. Yep. Um, and that was, you know, most likely his best season. Um, yeah, that would have been that would been really cool to see because Jimmy Mann had quite the left. And uh, but Semenko, like no matter the style, lefty or righty, his style kind of and his size also kind of assisted him in a way to negate most. Fighters, uh, Hunter being the exclusion, Ben, ben Wilson being the exclusion. Uh, yeah, he kind of used his gorilla <laughs> like size to negate that. But it would have been very curious to see how he fared against someone with a left like um, like Jimmy Mann. No, absolutely. I was always just wondering if being around Winnipeg and stuff, if the if the if the stories had ever come up of Mann. Uh, nope. Mexico. Nothing. Not even Scott has any information on that. Oh, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Scott, William, I don't know. They got nothing for us, Lucy. What are we keeping no, those guys around for? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I said, well, and then right here in 84, you know, 83, 84, 85, I mean, that right in the middle of the of the dynasty there and winning the Cups. And, yeah, uh, um, yeah um you know, staying busy this year. It uh, was it one, two, three, four. Five, six, five. He had about ten fights that year. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. I've actually never. It doesn't look like it was much of a fight, but I didn't realize that him and Cam Neely actually fought. I didn't realize that, huh? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think it was uh, Cam Neely's second year. Yeah, in Vancouver. There, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll have to go. I don't know if there's video of that, but I mean, I don't think. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. Well, I guess this is sort of the point too, uh, you know, in 85, this is when video kind of starts coming out and this yeah. is, and like we were saying at the start here, 
this is sort of when you see them, and it's sort of, eh, you know, like yeah, it's, yeah. His last eighty four, eighty five was a really touch tough season to watch of his. Uh, he was battling shoulder problems that season, uh, but he had fight. He had fought quite a bit that year. Um, you know, he had McGill twice, Brew Baker twice, yeah. uh, Cam Neely, Chris Nyland, uh, Hunter, of course. Uh, he had the big brawl with Calgary where he went with um, Bourgeois, Poplinski, and Conroyd when he needed Conroyd. Um, yeah, it was a busy season, but it wasn't a great season because, yeah, it was just, um, you know, his shoulder problems. Uh, he, <laughs> he got dismantled by Hunter, uh, Ben Wilson, you know. He had no choice to do the Ben Wilson fight. Uh, I think everybody has seen this one for sure. Yeah, uh, the during playoffs the playoffs when, when, when Wilson's uh, with Chicago yeah. in Chicago, yeah, along the boards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Samantha even said in his book, like he had he had no business to be in that fight, but gotta do what you gotta do when Ben Wilson's and Ben Wilson is shoving at Paul Coffey. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he took about thirty in the back of the head for that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that was sort of uh, you know, and then we kind of get into the. Uh, you know, the, the, his, uh, his final 85, 86 with the Oilers is his final season. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Montreal wins it, but, uh, but this is when you start really seeing, um, like Kevin McClellan, Martin mm-hmm. McSorley. I mean, they're both 22 yeah. years old at the time. I mean, Samantha was yeah. only 28, but yeah. he just seemed a lot older than that. But, um, you start seeing the younger guys, and I mean, and I think it's in Ars Guardians as well, or maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe it was in Nyland's one, whatever. When they were interviewing McSorley, <clears throat> and he talks about how him and like Semenko was a real mentor, and and never yeah. actually like, oh, you're trying to, and it, essentially McSorley was pushing Semenko out the door, you know, and taking yeah. over yeah. that role. But he said Semenko was nothing but supportive, though, the whole time. Like, he never viewed it as, I'm yeah. losing my job or, or anything like mm-hmm. that. And he taught McSorley. He, like he said, Semenko taught me everything about the role. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, absolutely. And McSorley was definitely who they were bringing in to to do that. I'm, I'm sure it had everything to do with that 85 season. Um, say they're being quite pissed off when Semenko pretty much did a no-show against Wilson. Uh, Sather actually benched him uh, the rest of that series, and Semenko didn't see action until, I think, game two or three of the Philadelphia series um, when um, Hospodar cross-checked um, Napier's teeth out. Um, that's when Semenko got brought into the series, to, and, and he said so in his book that uh, he had to make a statement because you know, there's a lot of questions being brought about him if he was still able to do the role. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, and it, it's I guess everybody has a shelf life, and that 85, mm-hmm. 86 in his last season there. I mean, you know, he fights, yeah. he has the uneventful fight with Dave Brown, and and um, yeah. you know, he fought Dean Kennedy, and of course, then the infamous coaster fight. Happens. <laughs> I love this one. This gets so much debate. I love it. It does. It does. Well, I'm going to hear. Yeah. Well, what what happened? For, for those wondering what we're talking about, um, I'll let you explain the whole deal here. Sure. Um, Edmonton was playing in Detroit. Um, 
and uh, Joe Coaster dropped the gloves with Don Don Jackson, and everybody has seen this one. He he KO'd Jackson, broke his orbital bone earlier in the game. Uh, so that's that's one. Uh, later in the game, Semenko and Coaster are on the ice uh, for the first time together, and Coaster uh, was in front of the Oilers' crease, mixing it up with Huddy. Semenko beeline towards them and, and shoved them. Um, backed off about three strides. Coaster didn't do anything. And then Semenko, just as a shark would, right, just kind of came in. Uh, Coaster had his glove or stick up, and Semenko's glove was off. Like, his right glove was off, and he threw about three punches. Coaster went down. He threw another punch or two while he was down, and, and that was the end of it. And... Um, Everybody and their dog says, oh, Swanko jumped him. Well, in my eyes, you just destroyed my teammate earlier in the game. And I gave you a shove. Like, like Swanko coming in and, and shoving you. Just having Swanko on the ice with you would already kind of have you on your guard. Uh, and then giving you that luxury of not just going after you right away, which is very un-Swanko-like. Um, so when Semenko backed off and then came back at you again, I don't know what Closer's thought process was. No, well, and I agree, and especially at that in that time period, and yeah, Closer, yeah, Closer knew he was out there. He knew he was, yeah. and and he had to have known what was coming. Like he, yeah. I don't think it was any surprise after you yeah. destroyed Jackson that Semenko's going to come. I don't think. Yeah. Coaster cannot act like he was surprised by this, and uh, yeah. I was I was very surprised when, like you said, Semenko, unlike Semenko, he kind of gave him an, the opportunity to square up, yeah. which was odd because I you because yeah. people forget that when it gets debated, he did shove yeah. him first and back up. Yeah. Now he wasn't. They weren't going to do the LNH square off, and we'll get all the music yeah. going, and we'll go to center ice and take our helmets off. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to give you that much of an opportunity, but he did shove him and backed up. Yeah. Well, Joey should know. Yeah. What are we doing here? And, uh, you know, and, you know, and could it, was it a sucker? Well, you know, I guess, but, you know, it's, I've always say when something like that happens, you're sort of taxing the definition of sucker punch because you saw it coming and I'm sure he was talking to you when it, when he came over. Like, I'm sure he yeah. just didn't shove him. It was all silent movie. I'm sure it was, hey, fucker, <laughs> we're going right now. I'm sure he was saying yeah. that to him. So, yeah. you know, what, what was he famous for saying? It's time for canoe ride. You know, yeah. so I'm sure that's what was said. And, yeah. uh, like, so, I don't, yeah. and like you said, I don't know if Joey's trying to draw a call or mm-hmm. I don't know what. But, uh, yeah, it did not end well for him. Yeah, and... Yeah, so yeah, it's just one of those instances where uh, you hear, you know, the Detroit fans, and it's fine. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't a, you know, he dropped his gloves, I dropped my gloves, and we fought. It wasn't that, but in those days, like you said, in that day and age, and in that circumstance, it didn't have to be. You knew, like, if yeah. Samanko's out there, if Dave Brown is out there, and you did that to his teammate. You have to be ready. You just have to be ready. And it could have been a stick to the head. Uh, it could have been a jumping, and it did end up being that. But it, you just had to be on on full alert. 
No, absolutely. And, um, yeah, like you said, it can be debated. Um, but I always say with a lot of this stuff, and it's even, I mean, to completely go off topic, but with the McSorley Brashier thing and all this stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was right, or Bertuzzi and Moore, yeah. and, and all this sort of, these big incidents that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, people always talk like, oh, it's just out of the blue. Didn't even yeah. know what was going to happen. Well, who, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe in your mind, you don't think it, you didn't think it was going to happen, but there was shit mm-hmm. that led up to all of those incidents. Now, I'm not yeah. saying the end result is what should have happened, but I'm just saying this shit just didn't fall out of the sky. Like yeah. the whole Bertuzzi Moore thing, lots went into led up to that final incident. The Brashear yeah, McSorley I... thing, that there was a whole bunch of shit that led up to that. Now, again, I'm not saying what Marty did was right. I'm just saying yeah. he didn't just do it out of the blue. Yeah. And the same thing with this. There was shit that led up to it. Semenko just didn't yeah. do this out of the blue. Like, right. Yeah. And that's the problem, though. Like, yeah, we're hockey fight fans and we watch hockey fight video and clips, but you're basically extracting a minute, a minute event in a hockey game that's 60 minutes. Uh, you're not getting the full scope of the game. You don't know what happened before. So, yeah. all these instances that happen that we have these clips on, what happened before that? Exactly. Like, did he stick someone? Did he say something? Like, what happened to cause that event and that's the funny part of it um you know there could be a million things that happen in the game and only those in the game know what happened exactly yeah it, yeah it's it's the ultimate game within a game we don't know what's being said mm-hmm. on the benches it could have been yeah. something completely unrelated with a different player yeah and it was like hey do it again i'm gonna get you well and the guy yeah. does it again well okay well I, and it could be just some subtle little thing that yep. nobody picked up on. It was in some scrum or whatever. All of a sudden, three yep. shifts later, this guy skates over and, you know, wham, from the side. Oh, what yep. a cheap shot. Well, yeah, yeah, he told the guy for 10 minutes he was going to do it. So, <laughs> you know, there's, and like you said, you're, yeah, when you see the video on YouTube, I think people very much forget that that's cherry-picked. And you're just yeah. seeing the end result. But Yeah, like yeah. you said, you're not seeing what went into it. And most of the mm-hmm, time exactly. when incidents like this happen... It didn't just happen. Shit was it. Yeah. And now again, I'm not saying that was maybe an exagger. You know, that was maybe a little overboard in retaliation. Whatever <laughs> that could be debated, but okay. Right. But nonetheless, there was a reason why it happened. Yeah. So, well, like was, we, yeah. Was, well, like you said, yeah, that, like, that whole coaster thing was man. That was a debated. I remember the fried chicken. I think that went on for about five pages. <laughs> that debate. Yeah. yeah. And I started all that. It was funny. <laughs> was that you that started all that? That's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was. I I got that game. That footage didn't exist, and I immediately posted it. Like as soon as I got it, like holy shit, I got it, and I posted it. Well, um, how did you? It was fun. Like if that footage wasn't, how'd you get it? Uh, there's this guy who who trades uh, full games. Okay. I think he's in California. Yeah, I know, um, who, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, up until that point, that video didn't exist. And uh, as soon as I got it, like, basically that night, I, I posted it, and it just blew up. And it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Just like that Holt fight that I, that I found earlier this year. Yeah. That fight I found just on a Google search, and it was on Pinterest. Some guy's dad 
had recorded it and he found it and put it on Pinterest and and then I stole it from the page and and yeah put it on my YouTube channel and posted it on the different fight uh, groups and and uh, like I don't yeah it was just pure fluke and any footage I get that has not been out there I'll, I'll put it out there in a heartbeat just just for just so everybody can see it. Yeah, well, that, and that's amazing on Pinterest too, of all the places, right? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, unbelievable. Crazy. Like you said, like we were saying before, right? You never know when. I mean, I've ended up getting footage from like crazy sources that you're like, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, the coaster thing. So, so you get the game tape and you put it in, and I mean, you've we've mm-hmm. read about it, and whatever. Here you are. You're yeah. the first person, other than the people at the friggin' rink, to lay eyes yeah. on this footage. What did you think when you first saw it? I pretty much jumped out of my couch when I saw uh, them coming together, like after Smanko gave him the shove in front. And I was like, holy shit, is this it? And then, yeah, seconds later, it happened. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that was, like you said, before the video came out, all there was was that picture that was out there yeah. of Smanko standing yeah. over top of him. And it's like, everybody's like, well, he KO'd him. And it's like, no, yeah. not Joey. But then there's the yeah. picture and it's like, well, here he is. He's standing over top of him. Like, yeah, so all yeah. of a sudden you get the video, and it's like, hey, here's the confirmation. So, <laughs> yeah, and you know, of course, some people say, "Oh, he completely jumped him," and and yeah, he probably yeah, and then you don't see it, but you're assuming, yeah, okay, well, what kind of a jump was it from behind, or you know, you start analyzing what it could be, yeah, and then you see what it is, and and then uh, you know, the proof is there, and and it's yeah, it's, it's fun, it's fun to bring that kind of stuff to light. It's it's. Uh, it makes the hobby or what the hobby was enjoyable. No, absolutely. Well, and like you said, it's funny when you're, when you're reading all the articles and of course in your mind, everyone's, everyone has the picture and the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you sort of have the Semenko MO and you're like, yeah. wow, he had to have come from behind, you know, that's Semenko for you, yeah. you know, and yeah. everybody sort of, and like we even said, right. When we first started talking about that, you're like, he just didn't go, or would you say it was very unsemanko like to sort of shove him and yeah. step back? Yeah. So, oh, I you totally expect him just to drop the gloves and go. Um, well, I kind of like a that courtesy. Well, to go back to the Scott Campbell thing, that's kind of what you yeah, expect, yeah. sort of what it's going to yeah. be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, actually, it's funny. We, you know, you go into eighty six, eighty seven, and we're uh, at this point, we're sort of. Uh, winding down big dave's career um yeah we're at the end you know which is which is kind of wild so 86 87 he gets traded to the hartford whalers and um you know just plays the one year there and um uh and it's always um like you see the footage and, and it's and it's always sort of really um it's just weird to see him in a different uniform and yeah. you know, and he has a couple fights with buyers and, you know, Hatcher yeah. and uh, you know, the famous wall, well, of course the famous fight is Kevin McGuire and Shane Churla, which is one of the best yeah. fights ever. And then right at that yeah. moment, he fights Terry Johnson and uh, yeah. you know, whatever. And then he has a couple fights there. Doesn't do, but you know, with Jay Miller that are kind of, eh. you know, he doesn't look yeah. that great. And then the whole Basil McRae thing, but yeah, he had um, some good battles with McRae. He did. And, uh, that was actually a pretty good fight that year, and then they had uh, about five of them the following year. He had a little rivalry with him. Yeah, well, and that was the whole when he came out of the penalty box to get after him and yeah. all that. And uh, yeah. I, I think yeah, it's pretty much 
Oh no, Ewan, I guess. He had a little thing with Ewan. I was going to say the whole, f- that actual Basil McRae was actually his last fight in the NHL. Um, like fighting major. Um, I think, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he has the one season in Hartford and it's, you know, I mean, as much as I know this is a Dave Smanko special, it's like, you know, it's sort of an uneventful year in terms of Hartford. Yeah. And, you know, and, and at that time, you're, you know, I mean, the Hartford Whalers in 86, 87, I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, they, but they had a, they were a good team. I'm just looking. They at were them. a good team. Yeah. They yeah. finished first in the Adams and I mean, they lost in the first round, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then of course the following year is his final season and uh, he goes to Toronto and, mm-hmm. uh, and ends up just hating life and everything else. And, and of course, John yeah. Brophy is the coach and uh, yeah. hated Brophy and uh, the whole, mm-hmm. and uh, the, uh, with that Ballard and all those, he just hated it. Yeah. And, uh, he was just their designated hitman, And, uh, he, he mentioned it in his book, how, uh, you know, it, it was, it was hard on him. I think his heart was always in Edmonton, which was clear. Uh, but it was hard for him to sit on the bench for 57 minutes and then being thrown out there just to fight. And, uh, that wasn't what he was ever about. in in his first, you know, nine years in, in hockey, in pro hockey. So, um, yeah, he just hated the role. He, you know, his heart just wasn't in it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, the end of the line. It was, it was the end of the line for him. Yeah. And the interesting thing is he's only 30 years old, yeah, you know? Yeah. So like, that's the thing. And it's like, but you watch the footage and he just seems, he just seems old and just like, yeah. just doesn't want, like you, if you watch it and you're thinking like this guy's in his late thirties, you know, or something yeah. like, and he's just kind of hanging yeah. on for a check. It's like 30 yeah. years old. This dude should be in his prime pretty much. But you it's, know, it's, it's funny though. Like there weren't many who played that role in that era who went beyond that. Like Ben Wilson retired that same age, roughly the same age. Glenn Cochran stuck around one more year and he was 30, 31 too. And, you know, it was just that age where maybe, you know, who knows what injuries he was fighting. I know he had the bad shoulder and, and he had knee injuries. Um, and, of course, hating Toronto and that organization. But, um, you know, there's got to be maybe just the warfare that they had playing in the 70s, junior hockey in the 70s. I cannot imagine yeah. how psycho that could have been. Uh, and then WHA and then NHL during the early 80s. I mean, who knows what these guys are really, really battling and yeah. to make well, and of course, you know, medical advancements too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we're not talking complete yeah, stone age, but I mean, you look at, yeah, you like you said though, 1987 compared to 2007, it's like, well, yeah, it is yeah. light years ahead, right? So, for sure, you know, you know, so yeah, exactly. But you know, he starts Toronto. Of course, it's interesting. He plays the one preseason game and he ends up fighting Steve Martinson three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two of them are well. One is available in full, and one is a highlight. And of course, the best of the three fights where he drops uh, Martinson is nowhere to be seen, which is too funny. But uh, I can't remember is a Warren or someone uh, had was there and had seen the fights live and said it was a pretty brutal KO of Martinson, where uh, just shut up the entire crowd. It was it was just brutal. He said you can hear it, and it was just felt you could feel it. Well, see, and this is interesting because, like you said, he, he ends up. Um, hating Toronto and, and quitting and everything else. Well, he didn't quit. I guess he, he yeah. wanted to quit, but he did finish out the year. But um, 
you know, he has, but he has the big fights with Martinson, the big KO. The, his first fight mm-hmm. in the regular season, of course, is with Probert. Yeah. And he does pretty good, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's, and it's like, okay. And then he has the thing with Basil. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the he decent, dropped him with one of them. Yeah. And then the decent fight with Nyland. And, and it's like yeah. he's sort of cruising along. Like, it's like, okay, he certainly is still capable. Like, he's winning these mm-hmm. fights. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. So it's just interesting. It must have just been, you know, because you could really see it early October, November, December. He's really active fighting. Yeah. And then yeah. it, it's basically once the Probert fight happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the whole jersey over his head and, you know, yeah. now the, did he get dropped? Did he whatever? But after that, yeah. that seems to be when the passion's gone and that's just it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, who knows, you know, like the psyche, like why am I fighting? Why am I putting my body on the line for this organization that can really give a shit about me? Like, who knows? Um, like after that Probert fight, he, he went with Basil like three times, I think. Yep. Uh, Todd Ewan was in there. Um, and then that's it. Yeah, yeah, he tried to go at it with Jimmy Mann, I think it was. Uh, Perry Turnbull was in there. So, yeah, like, yeah, but, it, yeah, it, for sure. At that point in his career, who knows how much time he was getting on the ice. He's, if, if you listen to what he says in his book, a couple shifts a game, that's, you know, uh, the passion would definitely go out, for sure. I could totally see that at that stage of your career. And knowing that, you know, you're not what you were, uh, what teams will really want you at that point. So yeah, it, I think it, the writing is on the wall. Yeah. And it's just, it, like I said, it's just interesting though, because it was like, he didn't really have a bad year fight wise. No, um, no. And it's just, uh, you know, other than the kind of the Probert thing, but even then, yeah. I don't know. Is that, uh, I mean, I know you have your feelings on it. I mean, yeah. is it a lot of it overhyped with the Probert big oh it's uh, a big KO or big you know whatever but it was a pretty even fight um yeah yeah but, you know I then, thought it was I thought it was pretty even maybe a slight edge to Probert up until uh his jersey popped off and you know what are you gonna do at that point you yeah have nothing to grab onto and you know it was the, inev- the inevitable happened um was it a TKO that's hard like recently footage just popped out of the first kite coaster fight uh, in Winnipeg and um, the first available footage of it from previous um, was a different angle. And this angle showed kite stepping on, I think a stick or a glove and going down. So, you know, that kind of, you know, before people were saying, well, maybe coaster dropped them, but the footage that just came out of this angle showed that kite stepped on a piece of equipment and went down. So, you know, I'm not saying poor, but didn't win the fights and, you know, it's pretty clear cut, but, uh, did some ankle go down from a punch or was it more of him stepping on the equipment that he later stepped on as he was getting up and people are saying, Oh, he staggered. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if he staggered. He doesn't look happy, but he didn't, I don't know if he was staggered. No. And I mean, it wasn't like he needed assistance off the ice or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. and I mean, and at any time, I mean, you get fans, and of course, I don't know, well, it's been my, lately I've noticed um, anything involving Probert seems to be, and I love Probert, you know, whatever, and all that, but it's a lot of it, when you get the Probert fanboys in there, I think everything, a lot of things get exaggerated, and history is revisionist and stuff, and I've always laughed, there's footage 
like you everyone can go on YouTube and watch it and these guys will still mm-hmm. describe something that's I'm like I don't know do you have a different angle than I have because I'm not seeing what you're talking about but okay yeah. I'm like you got game tape that no one has like it's okay yeah. and I mean but it's amazing like you can put a fight clip up and 10 people watch it and you'll get 10 different responses to it and it's yeah. it's yeah. just funny what people want to see and I mean if you're a fan of a certain guy people see what they want to see and yeah exactly you know and you know and we're I mean I'm trying to be as impartial like I mean I don't it doesn't I always yeah. say I'm trying to be impartial it doesn't this doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'm just a fan yeah, of both yeah. guys. I'm just a fan of the history of it and the fight. And right. it's, and, and it's interesting. It was sort of, um, and, and I mean, maybe I'm making more out of it, but at the time in 87, of course, when it happened, um, you mm-hmm. know, Probert's basically two years in the league and, yeah. uh, and making a name and just coming up and, yeah. and Semenko was that kind of that torchbearer for a long time, uh, yeah. the measuring stick. And it's almost mm-hmm. sort of like a passing of the torch moment, really. If you yep. want to look at yep. it in that sense. Oh, yeah. Like it, it was definitely a big moment in hockey fight yeah. history in terms of, uh, you know, here's, you know, one of the greats of the 80s and, and you know, here's the new king on the block. Uh, so I totally don't don't miss out on that point for sure. It was a huge thing to happen uh, for Probert, you know, to another, you know, another uh, notch on his belt type thing. Yeah, no, exactly, and it, it's just yeah, it was kind of that you know, like you said that fucking that passing of the torch moment, and uh, and yeah, and like you said, and then we kind of ride out the you know his little his kind of battle to there with Basil, and um, mm-hmm. uh, you know he left the penalty box to try to fight him and got the suspension <laughs> for that, and um, yep. and it almost looks when you watch that footage like when he tries to go out of the penalty box to get at him. He, he knows he's not going to, but it's yeah. almost like, I just want to get suspended. I don't give a shit. Like just get <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause it looks like that. Yeah. Cause it's like, he doesn't try real hard to get at him, you know? Yeah. If he really wanted to, he could have, uh, like, muscled his way in there for sure. Well, you just think the Semeco of, of the 79, do you think that little linesman's going to hold him back? Oh. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. yeah. He would have, he would have done anything in his, uh, in his power to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you said the little incident there with you and that was really nothing too much. And then, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then that's the end of, yep. uh, you know, um, uh, Dave Semenko's career, 575 yep. NHL games, uh, 142 in the, in the WHA. Um, he ended up with 153 career points and 1100 penalty minutes and another 200 in the playoffs. And, um, yeah, and, and out of hockey at 30 years old. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. And, I mean, you know, like you said, the passion is gone. And, obvi- and, I mean, obviously he would have injuries and everything else, I'm sure. But yeah. um, I didn't really realize it until we were just kind of talking about Because, like I said, I've never done the deep. Like, I've seen the fights and whatever. But to, until you actually concentrate on a guy and do a deep dive, um, mm-hmm. he had a pretty solid final year in Toronto for a guy that was unhappy. And pissed yeah. off, not bad. Like you look, he did okay. Other than the one pro, he wasn't thing. spot picking. That's for sure. No, no, yeah, exactly. He fought the names, uh, yeah. you know, at the start there, and and I'm just surprised. It would have been interesting. I don't remember in the book if he talked about it, but if he, there had to have been a team in the summer that would have been asking. There had to be somebody. If the guy's only thirty, and he still looked okay. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't recall in his book. He didn't mention anything, um, 
about any team approaching him. I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure he just was done and, and that was it. Yeah, I think that he he did have a, a substance abuse problem that he had to take care of. I'm not sure if it was the, the following year or not, but uh, I know he, um, you know, he was into into the drinks and stuff. So I know Glenn Sather helped him with that, um, but I, I can't recall what year that was exactly. Yeah, I believe he was. He did say he was an alcoholic, I believe. And, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, and that, and that, you know, and I'm sure that probably paid, especially if you're that miserable in Toronto. I mean, I'm just speculating on my part, but I'm sure there was mm. probably a lot of drinking that season because you're not happy. Yeah. You're not happy with yeah. your role. You sort of already have that issue to begin with. Mm-hmm. It probably yeah. just amplified itself at that point. And, uh, um, yeah. that's always really wild to me in Toronto that he wouldn't get along with Brophy. You know, like you'd think he's a Brophy guy. You would think, right? You know, um, well, Broski was to the extreme though. He was, um, yeah, like yeah, a, a designated hitman. Like even though Samanko kind of sort of was, like he was the policeman and all that. But uh, I don't think the appreciation of of being sent out one time a game just to do that, like that wasn't his game. It was never his game. No. And like we like we well you alluded to earlier in the in in doing this, um, a lot of his fight oh all of his fights pretty much were retaliation for something. Yeah, like yeah. Was, up it, until up until the Toronto year, absolutely. Yeah, and um, yeah, so it, it's interesting, like in that sense too, right? So there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of the majors were there, and like even McSorley refers to it in the in the documentary that Semenko talked talked uh, his not his way out of it but Semenko's talking led to a lot of non-fights uh yeah and it's Semenko even talks about it if things yeah. started getting a little goofy he would skate by the bench and he would just look at everybody <laughs> and go, are we going to keep playing this way or what are we going to do yeah and yeah. he just sort of shrug and stare at everybody and they said mm-hmm. more times than not that was that was everyone's indication that we're just going to you know, we'll just play hockey tonight and everything calmed yeah. down and there was no fight. Yeah, but, exactly. But if you wanted to push it, well, here we go. And then, mm-hmm. and, and every once in a while, like even McSorley tells that story, right? They Like, he yeah. wanted to fight and wanted to fight and Samanko's like, not now, not now. Yeah. And it was about three or four games and all of a sudden, like, he finally looks at Marty and goes, now. And it yeah. was just like, <laughs> yeah. And it was, and that's what happened. And it was just like, yeah. everything was so calculated. For sure, absolutely, and uh, to be uh, a fly on the wall during those times and, and listening to these players, just the interaction, uh, just to get into their psyche would just be just out of uh, it would be amazing. Just to to get that kind of back end story would be just you know a fight lover's dream, I guess. Yeah, and and, it, and it's really too bad. I know I in I, my conversation with uh, with Adam Scorgi, the guy that uh, you know, the creator of uh, the, the documentary, the Ice Guardians, um, mm-hmm. when they had Semenko on, it, it, he said it was real tough to get Semenko to talk about it, and yeah. he had to get Semenko got confirmation from a trusted friend, like, uh-huh. oh no, Scorgi and these guys are cool. It's okay, like they're good. Right. And so then he sat down and he was open with them. But he had to get that from someone else, from a trusted source that, because right. I think over the years there have been so many people that, you know, he's spented, you know, and all that shit. Yeah. That yeah. he just didn't want to, wasn't a big talker about it. And, and I, and I understand, I get that and whatever, but it's a real yeah. shame from a selfish standpoint that 
yeah. we couldn't get a Dave Semenko on a podcast, unlike a oh, fight fans I, podcast. And to, yeah. you know, we could really nerd out and ask him about the Playfair stuff and the Hunter right? stuff and all that, right? Instead of, yeah. um, you know, and it's a shame. And of course, um, unfortunately, Semenko died from cancer uh, June 29th, uh, 2017. He was only 59 mm-hmm. years old, unfortunately. And, yep. uh yeah, what a sad because uh, he was up. He was really active up until then, and I, I think it was a very yeah. sort of short battle with it, and then he was gone, and he didn't really tell yeah. too many people. And uh, you know, and that's he had a- just found out about a month before. I think that's uh, uh, from what I heard from Kevin Lowe during one of those interviews where uh, he had not seen a doctor, he wasn't feeling well, and he had finally gone, and and it was already well, obviously stage four, so. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, that was tough hearing that. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. when I heard when I heard that on the news that morning, I, I was in disbelief because, yeah, it just uh, it was just so quick and not knowing anything about it was uh, as a, a fan, like a huge fan that I was of his, was just one of those moments in life, right? Well, it's it is, and it's you know not to get too philosophical on things, but it's like yeah, yeah. when you start. When you're when you get to that age when your heroes start dying, mm-hmm. like it was like when Probert died, right? When that hit right. you, and it's like holy mm-hmm. shit, you know? It's like yeah, he's not that much older than I am, right? And it's just like right. you know, and it's like oh my god, you know? And well, now I'm I'm older than Probert was when he died, so it's right. like you start your own mortality starts kind of just creeping in, right? Yeah. When, and it's yeah. it, you know when you're when when the guys that you watched. I always say the on the other hand of that, you start feeling really old when the guys that you watch play, their kids start playing in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, no you know, when like De- Louis DeBrus kids playing and shit like that, yeah. it's like, oh my god, yeah. how, old, how old am I? You know, I, I can remember Louis's rookie year, right? I remember watching him with the yeah. London Knights of the OHL tapes, you know, and here's kids <laughs> playing with the Bruins. It's like, okay, I'm old now, but yeah, um, but yeah, like you said, when he when he passed away, there it was, uh, yeah, you know, fifty nine and. It's so sad, but one of the one of the things we didn't mention actually, uh, just a, a, a fun little thing in in 1983, he had a three round <laughs> exhibition boxing match with Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah, that actually is on YouTube. Yes, and uh, it's it's fun to watch if you're just expecting nothing. <laughs> but uh, it was quite the hyped up event. It was quite. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was huge. Well, obviously, if Ali's involved, it's going to get a lot of press. Uh, the fight itself was nothing much, but it was exhibition, of course. And, yeah, I cannot imagine being a part of that, you know, that hype and, and of the event itself. But uh, it's cool that it's available. I had just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know it was available on YouTube and researched it, I don't know, a few years ago, and, and I found it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, like I did. Yeah, I was uh, wasn't up until recently until I noticed it was on there too. I mean, I knew all about it, but I had mm. never seen it. And uh, yeah. it was interesting. I know uh, reading a few articles about it. Um, it was Messi, Mark Messi's uncle or cousin, or no, it was yeah. his uncle, I believe, that was the promoter of yeah. it. And he's uh, reading between the lines. It sounds like he's a bit of a you know a little little carny, a little bit, <laughs> yeah. and kind of got the whole thing going. And I know it was a charity deal. I mean, apparently they raised a lot of money for it, but uh, yeah. Um, Semenko took it serious. Not that he was going to, oh, I'm going to beat Muhammad Ali, but it was like, I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to, because it wasn't like he was a boxer. So it was like, you know, he went into the gym and learned some footwork. And, and I yeah. think it was what, the story of one of Ali's trainers or whatever, a handler 
was kind of watching mm-hmm. Semenko in the gym the one day, and Semenko's hitting the heavy bag pretty hard. Yeah. And Ali's kind of guy came over and just said, like, get that out of your head that you think that's what you're going to do to Muhammad Ali. <laughs> like, don't, you know. And I think Semenko... Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Semenko, I think, says in his book, like, he he hits Ali with a good one. Or what he uh-huh. thought was a good one by accident, kind of. Yeah. Like, he goes, we kind of, we were into it. We were pulling our punches or whatever. But he hit him with a good one. Yeah. And he said Ali sort of all of a sudden just bam, 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 bam. Like, yeah. half-assed. But he gave him, like, six machine gun shots before Semenko even knew what was <laughs> happening. And he goes, right then I quickly realized this guy could take me out anytime he wants to. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference between, you know, the legend of Ali and, you know, someone who's a hockey fighter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a little different than fighting George Lyle, for sure. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hey, there. I mean, that's you know, hey, we're that's two. Hours. I can't believe it's been two hours, but uh, two yeah, hours of uh, of talking, Dave Semenko. Uh, I think we, I think we did a pretty good job breaking things down. Told a few stories. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, hopefully it uh, educates those on you know of Semenko and you know just to give a little backstory to to what he was and. And in my mind, one of the great enforcers that hockey has seen, for sure. I agree. And, uh, yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, and I hope people enjoyed that. And it was, uh, you know, we, we, you know, told, told some, maybe some, uh, some antidotes that people didn't know. And, uh, and, and like you said, and it, and it really highlights, unfortunately, the lack of footage in general of his yeah. career, but especially his sort of, his dominant years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 23 uh, is not much. No, and that's unfortunate, and it's, um, yeah, it's actually kind of, it's actually kind of, I'm like, son of a bitch, if you actually played for Boston or Philly, we'd have everything, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of bizarre, but, uh, you know, yeah. it, and it's and it's really too bad that the footage isn't out there, but, well, or yeah. it probably is out there, but it's getting sat on, which unfortunate. Yeah, but, uh, I'll keep hunting. No, absolutely. You're doing a great job. And like I said, everybody yeah. out there listening, I encourage you to go and join uh, Luciano's Facebook group. Uh, it's tremendous with all the old newspaper articles and the pictures and uh, and video that gets popped up now and again. And uh, no, I, I think you're doing a great job. And uh, I really want to thank you uh, for, for coming on the show today and, and taking time out of your life to do this. And uh, what are your, just to kind of just, we'll put the, you know, the bookend on it. We'll wrap it up with a bow here. Um, just sure. your final thoughts on Semenko and, and as a fight fan and, and to maybe other fight fans, how, how do you think he should be viewed in terms, like, I mean, everybody always, oh, all time. And everybody always talks about lists and everybody likes the lists and where does he sit all time? Right. Where does he rank in your mind? What, I mean, I know we've touched on it, but just, to, just to put a, a period on it. What, where, what do you, how do you feel in terms of the fight nerddom? Does Dave Semenko, where does he fit in? Uh, I think he was the epitome of uh, what a hockey enforcer, policeman, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, should be. Like, uh, there was no questions asked. Asked um, if you messed with one of his teammates, then he was there. And he wasn't there to tap you on the shoulder and say you shouldn't do that and say let's fight. He was going to exact retribution um, any way he could, and and. I think he was the best at that. that that's, that's my take on him. Um, he had to protect the greatest hockey talent there was, 
and I think he did uh, uh, he did the job. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely, and like we said earlier, his protege McSorley carried that yeah. torch and it definitely learned. Yeah. And, and and definitely carried that on, and uh, like you said, protected some of the greatest players of all time. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and Gretzky's always always said how important Semenko was to those teams. And uh, yeah. well, and Gretzky appreciated obviously in 1983 in the All Star game when Semenko or when Gretzky won the car, <laughs> he gave it to yeah. Semenko. And That's um, right. you know, and uh, there you go. And uh, yeah, yeah. He, and I think he should definitely be. He has his place in, in enforcer history, and. Uh, and I think we covered it pretty good today. And uh, yeah. And I again, I won't, I won't keep you any longer. I know you got hockey games to go to and everything yeah, else. No and, problem. Uh, but I really want to thank you for taking the time out today to come on the show. And uh, hopefully, it won't be the last. We'll get you on again. We'll, we can talk about other things. But uh, yeah, for sure. But uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I had lots of fun talking. Excellent. Well, man, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'll let you go. All right. Okay. And- thanks a lot. Thank you. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 